podcast i'm gabriel chavez and i'm paul shandle today we obliterate the gavel of justice with the 2020 netflix natural born killers wannabe called the last days of american crime but first this is a comedy podcast if you have not seen the movie we're about to shit on or you want to avoid spoilers stop now but if you don't care about spoilers or want to laugh and learn why this movie sucks so bad speak directly into the center of my chest in that lumpy part make sure you state your full name and social security number and smile into that third button down on my shirt because I swear I am not wearing a wire or recording. Without further ado, let's hand it over to Pablo Francisco. In the not too distant future, as a final response to terrorism and crime, the US government plans to broadcast a signal making it impossible for anyone to knowingly commit unlawful acts. I'm gonna get to that logline in a second because there's a very basic thing about that that doesn't make any fucking sense, but I'll get to it. But this is our second Netflix film, and given that Netflix seemingly greenlights anything, no matter who the fuck might actually watch it, and their absolute shit show of an algorithm that will soon be movies and TV written by AI, deep think written movies and shit like that, this certainly will not be our last movie. Unlike our previous Netflix original film, Six Underground, this movie was actually produced by Netflix and not bought by them. This movie was produced through Radical Studios and Mandalay Pictures. Netflix, you obviously all know, now that they have 195.15 million paid subscribers worldwide, or roughly 2.5697% of the Earth's total population, <laughs> Come on, Netflix, up your game. Disney Plus is currently around 90 million subscribers and is expecting its growth pattern to yield 190 million in less than four years. Your timetable is fucked up comparatively, Netflix. I want to give quick props to Netflix in leading the way right now with their Oscar game. It took coronavirus to level the playing field and that Netflix's prestige movie streaming is the only way Oscar considerations are happening this year as the theater industry is on the verge of bankruptcy, but their reliance on not giving a shit what the industry thinks is going to really yield some interesting results in April. <laughs> in the yeah. more than 60-day delayed Oscar ceremony. You heard about that, right, Paul? They're going to continue considering movies released all the way through February, huh. which I think is interesting. Yeah, there's no longer the... There's uh, not really anything to consider, so yeah. <laughs> they try to get a few more things out there. Yeah, well, anyway, that being said, I want to give them props because while movies like the recent Hillbilly Elegy and Bird Box suck, despite their prestige cast and filmmakers, they really push forward projects that wouldn't have gotten in a studio behind them otherwise. The Irishman at its three and a half hour runtime, Marriage Story, Roma, Beasts of No Nation, The Two Popes, Mudbound, El Camino, Oakjaw, Dolomite is my name, The King, Private Life, The Other Side of the Wind, and so many more on the surface wouldn't have found a home at the typical studios for one reason or another, but Netflix has so much money and such a broad market, they can produce anything they want and not really worry about it breaking even, or in the case of this movie, Hillbilly, 
and 365 days especially, not functioning as a fucking movie doesn't seem to be a problem either. But I digress. As for Oscar consideration, Netflix this year has I'm Thinking of Ending Things, which I worked on last year, Mank by Maestro David Fincher. Have you fucking seen Fincher's new one, dude? No, no, I haven't. Oh, man, it's so good, man. Like, Gary Oldman's great in it, and the guy that plays Orson Welles is, like, scarily like him. It's fucking oh, like, yeah. unbelievable, actually. <laughs> but Amanda Seyfried's the reason that you should watch that movie. Like, okay, I said it, all right? Amanda Seyfried is the reason why you should see this movie. It's not the fact that Gary Oldman is a fucking Oscar-winning legend. <laughs> it's that Amanda Seyfried is actually really goddamn great in it, and you gotta check it out. On top of the fact that it's David Fincher and his attention to detail and his direction and his fucking script by his dad, Jack Fincher, is fucking great. But besides the point, go check it out. It's a fucking movie on Netflix. Check it out. It's called Mank. You all have Netflix. Just watch the goddamn thing and watch Lust Caution while you're at it because I keep fucking mentioning it, you son of a bitch. And watch Patriot's Day for Christ's sake. I keep mentioning that one too. It's also on Netflix. God damn it. Anyway. They also have Ma Rainey's Black Bottom with the force of nature Viola Davis herself coming out later on this year. The Boys in the Band, The Trial of the Chicago 7, which is also fantastic by social network scribe Aaron Sorkin. Pieces of a Woman by the director of White God, The Five Bloods by the man himself Spike Lee. If you still haven't seen that, you gotta check that out. It came out in June. The excellent indie movie The Half of It. Shout out to my friend Greta Zazula and her great cinematography on that flick. The animated film The Willoughby's, The Four year old version by Rada Blank and the upcoming The Dig with Ralph Fiennes and Malcolm and Marie with Tenant star John David Washington. They really packed their release schedule with some interesting and excellent titles this year. I really hope that it actually yields like more Oscar shit for them because it's just like, yeah. I mean, not that I should give Netflix any more props because they're a giant corporation, doesn't need any props. <laughs> but, you know, besides the point, it's like Amazon, you know, like Amazon they, they do some good seem to take up. more risks than a lot of other studios. Studios, so you got to give right. them props for that. Right, absolutely. Then again, uh, shit like this happens when you do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> true. But, but once again, let's not forget that Netflix did do Six Underground, The Open House, aka the 48th worst movie of all time on IMDb. The last thing he wanted with Anne Hathaway and Ben Affleck, unfortunately directed by the excellent director of Mudbound, 365 Days, The Ridiculous Six, begrudging shout out to New Mexico Film, The Titan with Sam Worthington, and like 12 other goddamn Adam Sandler movies that he is determined to make us forget that he was in Uncut Gems. God damn you, Adam Sandler. God damn you. Oh, this article, I don't know if I mentioned it before that Adam Sandler, when he didn't get his Oscar for Uncut Gems, yeah. he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to punish people. <laughs> going to make the worst. Netflix I know. original comedies. I know. I know. <laughs> Fuck you, Adam Sandler, for that. Oh, and they also gave us Bright, one of my top 10 worst movies I have ever seen by David Ayer. Fuck you, David Ayer. Radical Studios has multiple divisions, including comics, films, TV, music, as well as games. Their name appears on this movie as they publish the comic book as well. They also produced the formulaic, if well-designed, but stupidly scripted movie Oblivion with Tom Cruise and Morgan Freeman. Hercules with Dwayne The Rock Johnson by hashtag MeTooJack ass Brett Ratner, as well as 11 titles that have been announced with movies like Shrapnel, with Hilary Swank starring as a leader of a revolt on Venus in the year 2550. So, it won't be long before we see more bullshit from these people. 
<laughs> sounds like a remake of Barbarella or something like that. I know, right? Oh, man. Except Hillary Spank. <laughs> Except yeah. Hillary Spank isn't going to do the Pamela Anderson thing. You know? uh, yeah, or no, yeah, not yeah. Pamela Anderson. That was uh, Barb Wire. What am I talking about? Who? Uh, fuck, who was the star in uh, Barbarella? Was that Melanie Griffith? No. no. I'm misremembering. Fuck. I don't remember. A very minuscule movie from the early 1980s that has kind of become a cult phenomenon. So don't begrudge me the fact that I can't 60s, remember. Every man. god. You're right. <laughs> Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Do not begrudge me. Don't fucking come at me. I've seen way more movies than you. I promise you, whoever the fuck you are, do not come after me. <laughs> but... but Mandalay Pictures, I was super surprised to see on this title card as I have not seen their name before any movie in years. I didn't even know that they were still around, to be honest with you. They have produced some interesting work over the years with the likes of Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow with Casper Van fucking Dean. Even though I like that movie, I fucking hate you, Casper. They also did the rather <laughs> excellent Enemy at the Gates with Jude Law and the legendary Ed Harris. The... Uh, I actually really like that movie, even though it's got yeah, kind of like no, a middling critic score. No, I like it a lot, actually. I think it's uh, it's got a lot of good tension in it. Yeah, it like does. That. It's well-directed, man. I mean, it's yeah. got some scripting problems, for sure, and a little bit like, cliched in the middle there. And the whole fucking love story with Rachel Weisz could have been <laughs> cut out completely. That didn't need to be there, but besides the fact. I don't know. I mean, it's really <laughs> uncomfortable sex scene where they're, like, fucking in the bunker surrounded by a bunch <laughs> of people, like, starving and... Yeah. Like sleeping, so yeah. I don't know. I, I don't get. Know. I don't get that scene. It, just, it doesn't need to be there. It's a unique sex scene out. in uh, cinema I guess it's history. True. That's definitely true. That's definitely true. I haven't seen anything quite like that. But they <laughs> they also gave us the fucked up, but I love it movie called Horns with Daniel Radcliffe. The rather excellent, if unfortunately tainted, Birth of a Nation by Nate Parker. And a movie called Bushido, The Way of the Warrior, which has been announced, and I hope to Christ that it is about Bushido Brown, the legendary black karate master from the Boondocks who faced off against the hateocracy <laughs> in season three, episode five of the Boondocks. But I digress. I really, really hope that that's what that movie's about, man. They, there wasn't any like plot synopsis or like anybody attached to it. It was just called Bushido, and I was like, oh, please, God, please, Bushido Brown movie. But they did, however, get Give us Serving Sarah with the awful Matthew Perry and former star known as Elizabeth Hurley. Three fucking Wild Things sequels. Remember those movies, Paul? How Kevin Bacon was in the first one? Wild Things? Fucking Denise Richards, yeah. Yeah, Denise okay. Richards. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. They made three sequels to that. What the wow. fuck is that? I don't, I don't even know how that like straight to Cinemax type movies. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. But they also did a Sniper spinoff from the Tom Berenger movie, the awful and goddamn detestable movie Beyond Borders with Angelina Jolie, Motherhood with Angela Bassett, the confusing and idiotic The Jacket with Adrian Brody and Kira Knightley, which I fucking hate that movie, and lastly, the formulaic and absolutely destroyed by Marlon Brando's awful performance, The Score <laughs> with Robert De Niro. <laughs> The, this detestable pile of monkey spunk was produced by 18 fucking people, almost four times as many as a normal movie. Of them, I want to talk about two of them, Matthew O'Toole and Kevin Turen. Matthew O'Toole is the key here in that he produces hyper-violent but mostly palatable action movies. 
this movie, his action is there in the last 40 minutes anyway, despite its 148-minute runtime, but the rest of it is fucking awful. He feels like a discount Jerry Bruckheimer in that way, and I didn't mm -hmm. think I would ever say that Jerry Bruckheimer is better than anyone <laughs> ever, but besides the fact. But anyway... <laughs> Mr. O'Toole produced the hyper-violent Stallone reimagining called Rambo with the blood sausage bodies popping on the screen. Uh, and again with Stallone flicks The Expendables 1 and 2, The Hitman's Bodyguard, as well as the Netflix show The Witcher with Henry I Can't <coughs> Act Cavill. He did shit down our eye sockets with As I Lay Dying with Nicole Kidman, Homefront with Jason Statham. Side note, is he going to retire already? He isn't a leading man anymore, nor is he a supporting actor people go to the movies for he's just kind of there <laughs> these days besides facts yeah now they'll uh they'll make another expendables movie just for him so he can work well i mean he's not even the lead in that though that's what i'm saying right. is that like leading man jason statham <laughs> isn't a thing anymore he's just yeah. kind of in the background with like other action stars whether it be the Fast and the Furious movies or Expendables, whatever, it's always he's just in the background. He's basically moving scenery, but besides the fact. Um, O'Toole also did the civics for Moron's duology in London Has Fallen and Angel Has Fallen. Hunter Killer, again with Gerard, I Was in 300, Remember? Butler and the, Be and the Hellboy remake with David Harbour. But I won't ever able to disassociate his name with our movie this week nor the absolute shit heap that is rambo last blood aka rambo home alone fuck you for that movie alone oh, second i need to drink a water all right something to back my throat here probably, probably corona undigested remains of this movie here Just, <laughs> you ever get movie phlegm yeah actually movie and you're i like, i think i think with uh <laughs> I think with cats, it was a literal hairball building in the back of my throat as I was watching it. Anyway, Kevin Turin is the only producer on this movie that has actually done some good movies. He produced The Dead Girl with the late Brittany Murphy, The Fucked Up in American Crime with the excellent Elliot Page. Side note, I can't state how happy I am that he came out this last week as trans. In case you don't know, we on this podcast support and love trans people, so you can fuck right off if you don't. <laughs> He also did the excellent movie called Arbitrage with Richard Gere, 99 Homes with Michael Shannon, a.k.a. the scariest man that I have ever worked with, <laughs> <laughs> the aforementioned movie Birth of a Nation, the incredible refugee movie called Mediterranean, the excellent movie Waves with Kevin Harrison Jr. and Lucas Hedges, and the absolute masterpiece that is all is lost with Robert Redford. I can't overemphasize this movie enough. It's incredible. Yeah, Fucking watch it. I do... What confuses me the most about that the movie title is says that... everything about the end, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't fucking say that. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, dude, it's great in that he stretches it out for so long. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like he doesn't die within the first five minutes of the movie when he should have. So right. that's the right. dude. Can you believe that the script for that movie was 32 pages? The shooting script of that movie was 32 pages <laughs> because it's like it's so sparse so, in the dialogue, yeah, and it's no only dialogue. him. Yeah. That's the best thing about that movie, though, is it's literally only him. Like that's the yeah. most amazing thing. But anyway. 
This guy also did produce, though, Operation Endgame, that awkward moment with Zac Efron, AXL, Assassination Nation, as well as What's Up Rockers from pedophile director Larry Clark. Side note, fuck you, Larry Clark. You fucking suck. Is he still making, like, uh, teenage sex movies? As far as I know, I don't know what was the last thing that he did, but, I mean, he did get in a lot of trouble with, uh, what the fuck was that one movie that he did where it came out that the girl who's featured in all the, like, real penetration sex scenes was, like, 17 when he was filming, and so that entire movie is technically child pornography. What was that movie? No, I don't remember the name. Yeah, it's always about skateboarders with him, dude. (laughs) (laughs) That's all he knows. But, yeah. It just, he pisses me off. But besides the fact, this movie stars Edgar Ramirez, Michael Pitt, Anna Brewster, and Charlotte Copley. Edgar is a great Venezuelan actor, and to see him get mixed up in this shit is hard to watch, quite honestly. I feel personal embarrassment watching him walk down this road. (laughs) But the first time I saw Edgar was in Tony Scott's confusing but stylish and violent movie Domino with Keira Knightley. But since then, he's been in the incredible movie Born Ultimatum, Che Part 1 from Soderbergh, which is an excellent film that everyone should see, by the way. The brilliant movie Carlos, which everyone will know is a TV show and that no one saw it as a movie, <laughs> despite its premiere at the Sao Paulo International Film Festival in its full 5-hour and 34-minute mm-hmm. version. That's it the is same pretty thing. badass, actually. It's, it's a, a great... fucking great, great yeah. movie, man. It's the same thing with Che, actually, with Che Part 1 and Che Part 2. It premiered at Venice. Soderbergh premiered it at Venice in its entire version, so it's like four hours and 17 minutes or something like that, and people were, like, sitting through that. But, you know, to, to the credit of seeing it as one whole thing rather than a break between the two movies, like you really get a feeling for Benicio Del Toro's version of Che, and that's probably why he won Best Actor at Venice. That and, you know, like uh, another odd choice for them that should have gotten more notoriety was the assassination of Jesse James, where Brad Pitt won Best Actor at Venice because fucking Andrew Dominic showed his four-hour version of that movie at Venice, that it's the (laughs) only part that, or it's the only people that have actually seen it besides andrew obviously and it just yeah besides andrew and it just like it pisses me off man it really really does that he hasn't come out with that cut yet besides the fact send him a strongly worded letter or something like that yeah dear andrew dominic (laughs) fuck you where's the four-hour cut of assassination of jesse james (laughs) besides the fact edgar ramirez is also great in catherine bigelow's masterpiece known as zero dark 30 and the liberator about the venezuelan revolutionary simone bolivar despite the lukewarm reception by critics however he has been in some awful movies like wrath of the titans ridley scott's unintelligible movie called the counselor just what the (laughs) fuck man I was so excited to see that movie because it was too, uh, man. what's Cormac uh, McCarthy? Mar- yeah, yeah, Cormac McCarthy e book, but uh, or script, but no. Yeah, plus Michael Fassbender, Brad Pitt, <laughs> and everybody else, Javier yeah. Bardem. I think yeah. my favorite character was Cameron Diaz. Though it's like she fucking <laughs> scared me in that movie. Like she's fucking scary as shit. I mean, we've talked about it before, but like her yeah. having sex with the Ferrari is like something that I'll never get out of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> like fucking Javier Bardem saying that it's like a fish on the side of a fish tank. Just like I was like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 
Uh, Edgar was also in Deliver Us from Evil, the Point Break remake, The Girl on the Train, and Bright, a.k.a. the worst fucking movie Big Willie could have ever signed on to do, but again, fuck you, David Ayer. <laughs> Michael Pitt, Jesus Christ, man, what the motherfuck were you even doing in and with this movie, man? I'm sure you all know him from the HBO series Boardwalk Empire from the legendary Martin Scorsese, but he was also great in Finding Forrester, Hedwig and the Angry Inch, Bernardo Budolucci's Excellent It Fucked Up the Dreamers, which really fucked me up after I saw it. <sighs> That's what he's in. Fuck, I was yes. trying to place him, but yeah, yes. definitely. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He was also in the excellent Kurt Cobain pseudo-biopic known as Last Days, where he doesn't play Kurt Cobain per chance, but a guy exactly like Kurt Cobain. <laughs> so because they couldn't actually license the rights to Kurt Cobain's music or his life story. So fucking, uh, what's his name? Uh, Gus Van Zandt just made like this uh, ode to Kurt Cobain movie. It's really excellent, nice. dude. You gotta check nice. it out. He also was in Hugo from Scorsese, Seven Psychopaths, I Origins, and Animals, an animated TV show that was short-lived on HBO but is hilarious, profane, and awesome. If you haven't seen that, Paul, that is a fucking definite recommendation for Animals, me, man. Right. Animals, yeah. yeah it, was, <laughs> it was three seasons <laughs> and What's most amazing about it, dude, is it's like it's an animated show. It takes place in New York City, and each episode focuses on another animal, like within the city. So there's like an episode on cats, another episode on like geese, an episode on pigeons, right. and like uh, there's one with the episode on geese that like uh, Jessica Chastain is in it as like, one of the voices, and I'm like. How the fuck do they get these cast members? Like, that's what I want to know. Like, do they smoke a bowl with these people? And they're like, I got this TV show. You got to check it out. But, yeah, it's fucking great. And, like, you, you got to check out Animals. There's, like, the two episodes on cats that they did is, like, they show cats as being, like, these weird S&M torture freaks. And it's fucking fantastic. <laughs> Besides the fact. He did, however, star in the shot-for-shot -shot remake of Funny Games that pales in comparison to the original. I don't get that, dude. The director remade his own movie for an English audience. And I just, I don't fucking get it. But besides the fact... 54, he was also in 54 with the awful Ryan Felipe. Fuck you, Ryan Felipe. You fucking suck. Silk with Kira Knightley. Murder by Numbers with Sandra Bullock. And Ghost in the Shell, a gutless and blatantly miscast remake of an excellent anime film. Oh, and he was in The Village by M. Night. The movie that has an ending so terrible it fucks up an otherwise great movie into a pile of shit. Oh, and he was in Bully by uh, pedophile Larry Clark again. Anna Brewster. <laughs> Anna Brewster was in the money-grubbing member Barry written disaster known as Star Wars Episode 7, A New Hope. Nope, my mistake. It's called The Force Awakens by J.J. I'm a hack, Abrams. The... The excellent Mrs. Henderson Presents by Stephen Frears with Cats alum Judy Dench, as well as the nudity extravaganza Versailles in one episode of the great Idris Elba vehicle Luther, and two episodes of the nudity and violence extravaganza called The Tudors with the sometimes great actor Jonathan Rhys Myers. Rounding out our actors is the great Charlotte Copley. I will always hold this man in some sort of esteem for his brilliant work in the Best Picture nominee, District 9, which is still one of my all-time favorite action sci-fi movies, the misunderstood but great Europa Report, the sophomoric but hyper-violent Elysium by, director, by District 9 director Neil Blomkamp, 
Chappie, a.k.a. the third movie from Blomkamp that desperately needs a script, and the bizarrely fun experience called Hardcore Henry. Did you see Hardcore Henry, the first person flick with him, dude? No, I didn't. Uh, I oh, thought it was man. only a like YouTube short now, or something there, like that. There was the YouTube, like the same director did the YouTube music video where that concept came from, and then they made the feature film version oh, called yeah. Hardcore Henry yeah. with Charlotte Copley. And you never see Charlotte because he plays Henry in the first person view, obviously. Okay. But it's super violent and it's fucking entertaining as shit and it's just <laughs> bonkers all the way with like the way that they structure action scenes and the fucking minigun sequence and it's uh. fucking <laughs> you gotta check it out it's i think it's still on netflix actually but we can't ever let charlotte forget that he was in the old boy remake with josh brolin a movie so pale in comparison to its original counterpart that it comes off entirely as parody and not in reverence or homage to its original film possibly why spike lee took his name off of it but besides the fact <laughs> side note he is in a biopic coming up about ted kaczynski where he plays the unabomber himself so i am super stoked to see how he oh, plays sweet. that role <laughs> even though he doesn't really look like ted kaczynski but besides the fact this movie he's crazy enough he's got that crazy look inside oh yeah absolutely man <laughs> And then when he grew when he grew his beard out for Elysium and I think back to it and I'm like, Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean with the beard, yeah, maybe a little bit, but you know, he doesn't look exactly like him. So I wanna know what's going on with that. But anyway, this movie is based on the radical comic by the same name by Rick Remender and Greg Tuccini, and written for the screen by Carl I'm gonna fuck this name up so badly, Gaj Dushek who also serves as one of the 18 producers. Carl wrote Trespass with Nick Cage. I don't think I need to go past that <laughs> god-awful movie, but I will continue and say he also wrote the aforementioned Oblivion with Tom Cruise, the formulaic and mostly terrible The November Man with Pierce Brosnan, an awful cop versus gangster brothers on the wrong sides of the law movie called Blood Brother, <laughs> <laughs> and The Shield creator Sean Ryan produced one season TV show called Last Resort for ABC. I am very, very, very fucking worried that he wrote the script for The Kingsman, aka the third movie in the Kingsman trilogy, set to be released in March of next year. But after the awful shit that we've seen in 2020, what's the worst that could happen to us <laughs> next year? <laughs> this leads me to director Olivier Megaton whose real name is Olivier Fontana, significantly less intense. Somehow, this guy keeps getting directing jobs. This French director made his American debut with Transporter 3 with Jason Statham, and went on to direct the awful Colombiana with Avatar alum Zoe Saldana, Taken 2 with Liam Neeson's, <laughs> and the... <laughs> And the worst major movie in 2014 with Taken 3, a.k.a. the clip show Taken movie. It really does play like a fucking clip show movie, and it's edited like a fucking train wreck. If you haven't seen this movie, check out the clip on YouTube called Brian Mills Jumps a Fence, where Olivier Neeson's and editors Audrey Simone and Nicholas Tembrzoszewski, however the fuck you say your last name, suffered cerebral palsy while trying to edit a six-second <laughs> sequence of Neeson's jumping a fence with a whopping 15 fucking cuts 
for him to <laughs> jump over a fence. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you, Olivier, just for that, let alone this abomination that you call a movie. This movie is a laborious 148 minutes long and premiered on Netflix on June 5th, 2020, and was produced on a budget of $38 million. That's estimated, and I couldn't actually find the actual production budget, but, I mean, that sounds pretty close to what it should be, being that they shot this entire fucking movie in South Africa, even though it takes place in Detroit, Michigan, which I'm not exactly sure how that worked. But besides the fact, much like Six Underground, I don't have the usual box office numbers as we have been used to. As such, this movie is not one of Netflix's top titles, as was Six Underground. What I do know is the country that doesn't respond well to Olivier Megaton's nuclear holocaust stupidity is Serbia Montenegro. With an average gross between Taken 2, Taken 3, Colombiana, and Transporter 3 of only $3,523. Pretty bad. The top grossing movie of all time in Serbia, Montenegro is 2014 See You in Montevideo, a Serbian film about Belgrade footballers traveling to the first world football championship that made 2.120 of its $2.273 million gross just in Serbia. So 99% of the income for that movie (laughs) came from Serbia. Again, if I'm wrong, fuck you. I read through 14 years of Serbian box office statistics to find this information. Do better if you think you can. To Serbia, Montenegro's credit. Of the last 14 years worth of Serbian box office numbers I found this week, only six titles I had ever heard of made the number one movie. The other eight titles of those 14 years that topped their box office I had never heard of. So congratulations to them for not buying into American film bullshit. (laughs) For context, the top two grossing movies in the world, Avatar and Avengers Endgame, made $1.012 million and $722,000 respectively in this territory. Meanwhile, that top you know, football movie made $2.12 million or exactly double what Avatar made, but besides <laughs> the fact. So here is where international politics and economics gets tricky. Being that Serbia and Montenegro are portions of the former, former Federal Republic of Yugoslavia, The two use, what I was able to find anyway, two separate currencies in both countries. While Serbia uses the Serbian dinar most prevalently, Montenegro more commonly uses the euro. As such, I offer you the following. With an average ticket price of either 1,475.95 Serbian dinar or 11.47 euros or $13.89 American per ticket Yeah, in 2020, that means the total asses and seats for this movie with a projected Serbian Montenegrin box office return of $3,523 means that the total S&M asses and seats is a whopping 253.63 people projected to go to this fucking movie if it did have an actual release. With a population of 628,000 people in Montenegro and 8.721 million people in Serbia in 2020, that means in a good year without coronavirus that with a combined population of 9.349 million people, Olivia Megaton movies would draw an estimated 2.713 hundred thousandths of the total population to see his movies opening weekend in theaters. No Johnny Quarter Slice this week, no Billy Half-Ass, <laughs> no Camille, 
Sorry, folks, our apologies. The Last Days of American Crime has a 3.6 out of 10 on IMDb with 9,103 votes, a 15 on Metacritic, and a rare and statistically impossible <laughs> 0% on RottenTomatoes.com with a 23% audience score. My vote this week stands with the 1,884 others who voted this a one star on IMDb. If I could, I would have rated it a negative 10. I hated it that fucking much. This makes this movie officially our lowest rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes ever. You can't get much lower than 0%. That makes this movie a scant one point lower on the tomato meter than Left Behind, 20 points lower than Cats, and six points lower than Gigli, a fucking true gem to be sure. This movie ranks highest amongst males aged 45 plus with a 3.9 out of 10. That is the highest demographic, Paul. 3.9 out of 10. <laughs> and on IMDb. On IMDb. I know. That's pretty fucking harsh, especially since they yeah. weighted across it. Arithmetic mean weighted at like 5 out of 10 stars or some shit like that in order to balance the rating. But besides the fact. And lowest amongst females aged less than 18 with a 2.5 out of 10. This week, it should be a fucking felony for the 254 people or 2.8% of the vote on IMDb who rated this a perfect fucking 10 best movie ever made. My favorite reviews this week begin with Bilge Abiri of New York Magazine slash Vulture. Bilge pumps. I couldn't avoid it. Sorry. I'm sorry. But Bilge pumps, quote, <laughs> yeah, another insipidly sleazy Lizard brain shoot em up that through its very dullness demonstrates how rote such ghastly fare has become in our culture. End quote. Original score, zero out of five stars. David Ehrlich of IndieWire sentences, quote, A brain-dead slog that shambles forward like a zombified husk of the heist movie it wants to be. The Last Days of American Crime is a death march of cliches that offers nothing to look at and even less to consider, end quote. Original score, zero out of five stars. David Fear of Rolling Stone slams the cell door shut with, quote, when the last days of American crime begins to fully exploit its notions of civil unrest and aggressive pushback, and the pent-up police officer played by Charlotte Copley that's been put on the mantle in Act 1 shows up in Act 3, we've got a problem here. Copley's character is really the perfect demographic for this. It's escapism for fascists, frustrated off-duty <laughs> cops, and steroid users. Because this is now a textbook example of tone deafness and extremely bad timing. The idea of putting these images out there at this very moment and pimping them out as entertainment is frankly nauseating. It goes from being a crime against an art form to something a little more toxic. No, nope, nuh-uh, Netflix, what the hell were you thinking? Original score, zero out of five stars. I want to reiterate... Not one positive review can be found for this movie. Not fucking one. <laughs> Lastly, The Last Days of American Crime has not been rated by the MPAA, but carries a self-applied TVMA rating from Netflix. So, Paul, 
It's Tuesday, August 4th, 1993. Robin Ventura of the Chicago White Sox is about to make one of the biggest mistakes of his career. It's the top of the third inning as we slip past one hour in the night game between the Chicago White Sox and the Texas Rangers as they face off in Arlington Stadium in the absolute dump that is Arlington, Texas. <laughs> 32,312 fans sit in the stands, or 74.24% capacity. Nolan Ryan of the Rangers stands on the mound as Ventura squares up at bat. The six-foot-one tall third and first baseman from Santa Monica, California bats left but throws right. And this night, the right side of his ribcage, his face, his pride, and his manhood would all be called into question. See, 26-year-old Robin Ventura is about to learn age counts for nothing, and experience counts for everything. Nolan Ryan, the 6'2 pitcher from Refugio, Texas, who throws and bats right, is about to show his 20-year seniority over Ventura is all he needs to settle any grievances that he has in this world. Nolan Ryan does Texas proud by pitching a curveball directly into Ventura's ribcage. <laughs> Using violence doesn't solve anything, Texas. Ventura tries to walk it off at first, then decides to throw down his helmet and charge the mound. As he does, he somehow places his head directly into the 46-year-old Nolan Ryan's headlock as Ryan repeatedly <laughs> punches Ventura directly in the face, using his lower jaw as a speed bag as Rangers catcher Ivan Rodriguez tries to pull Ryan's new punch bag away from him. You see, what Ventura doesn't know is Ryan is a cattleman, and his headlock he has perfected in order to brand steers at his Texas ranch. <laughs> Within seconds, both yeah. dugouts empty as the players brawl in what can only be described as an American version of a rugby scrum. Heads down and a fucking sea of overindulged male stupidity locking bodies together. The first portion of the brawl lasts a mere 43 seconds. A 20-second reprieve yields another scrum of stupidity of the collective worth of almost $190 million worth of testosterone continue to bash each other in the middle of the field. Rangers' Mickey Hatcher suffers a split eyelid as his 200 pounds lumbers away from the clusterfuck blood running down his face. The teams return to their dugouts after the second 30-second spat. Despite the errant pitch by Ryan, he is allowed to remain in the game, and Ventura is ejected for the remainder. As Ventura sits outside, Ryan would go on to pitch a no-hitter game, yielding a 5-2 win by the Rangers. Much in the way that Ryan did, Paul, you have formulated the perfect idea. How could this possibly miss, you think, as you wind up and you... Pitch this motherfucker to me, Paul. <laughs> okay, okay, I got a great, 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 great idea for this this movie here. It's 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 about this guy named Brick, 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 Brick. Nice, Brick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Masculine so fuck. Yeah, yeah. So the first scene, he's like got this guy in a bathtub, and he covers him in diesel fuel because nice. diesel fuel burns slower. And he nice. gives him a cigar, and he's like, "Fucking eat that." <laughs> and then the the apartment explodes behind him as he walks out. Right? Okay. Next scene. Slow right? motion, obviously. Right? Oh, Slow oh, motion. I'm sure. 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 Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Keep going. So he goes to a bar and he meets a woman and she's like, you know, uh, I, I'm gonna fuck you in the bathroom because I'm super hot. <laughs> nice. And we're gonna play this song called uh, what's what's it called? Oh god, it's such a good song. 
to play for this kind of like lovely, lovely scene. It's called, uh, it's called, uh, I want to be your dog. That's the name of the song. Nice. Here. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Nice. So while they they fuck in the bathroom, they're gonna nice. listen to the song. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so after that, after that, some shit happens. And uh, let me tell you, this one guy gets shot uh-huh. a couple times, uh-huh. like point blank in the chest. Uh-huh. But you can't kill him because his name's Brick, right? Nice. And then he he takes like a fucking neurotoxin, and then he fucking shoots these dudes, and then he just like runs around for nine more hours. I want this movie to be nine hours long. Okay, wow. it's gonna be wow. it's gonna be great. Wow. Yeah. yeah. You know, this is Netflix. Do you want a TV show or do you want to try to do a movie? Because we could do ten. Uh, I'm not very. I'm good here at in editing. like five seasons of <laughs> TV show here, man. Not very good at editing, so I'm just making a movie because like okay. adding in those like credit scenes and stuff between different TV shows. It's too much, you know. That sounds like a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I dig that. All right, all right, all right. So what are you, what are you thinking? Where where where's this thing take place? Is it take place uh stateside, I'm assuming? Oh yeah, Detroit, man. Just nice. just think about RoboCop 2. Nice. Same fucking thing with Best the best RoboCop takes movie, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, but uh, we're going to have some great lines like, don't it. cry, we're all dogs. Or, prison doesn't change you, it shows you who you already are. And sometimes everything is just bullshit. I mean, this <laughs> is some fucking Shakespearean shit it's nice, right here. Nice, yeah. nice, yeah, 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 nice, nice, yeah, nice. Yeah. How much yeah, you need yeah. for this fucking thing? I don't know, uh, 50? 50 million? Wait, who's in it? <sighs> <laughs> that guy from uh, <laughs> that guy from Carlos. You remember that TV show? Back oh yeah, in 2003? yeah, yeah. Wait, yeah, no, right. I didn't see that. that. I didn't see uh, that because I don't. I don't watch things. Uh, Charlotte Copley is going to play a, a, a oh, okay, a white cop. guy. Okay, great. Yeah, okay, a white guy playing a cop. I love it. All right, that guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got the guy from uh, the Dreamers. He doesn't. He doesn't get naked though, unfortunately. Oh. Okay. The chick, we're gonna have some tits in. There. We're gonna get. To, we're gonna. We're gonna just have some titties in here at least. Okay. Okay. All right. We're just All gonna right. have no, some yeah. random women standing on cars in the middle of the street, like stripping and stuff. Because <laughs> every movie needs that. You know. I love it, man. This movie sounds American as fuck. I dig it. You're gonna oh, yeah. shoot it in yeah. the states, or? Uh... Uh, you know, I want to stretch that fifty million dollars out a lot. Something in <laughs> South Africa. I nice. Mean, nice. You yep. can really get the best bang for your buck down there. I yeah. dig it. Yeah. I dig it. You can pay the locals like 50 cents a day. They'll take it. They'll do anything. <laughs> nice. Any kind of stunts nice. you want to do. You set them on nice. fire. It's all good. Just put them out <laughs> in a few minutes. It's all fine. They have <laughs> no minutes. human rights. They have no human rights down there. Yeah, it's nice. great. Great place for filming. Nice. I dig it. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. You're greenlit, man. It's Netflix. We don't give a fuck. Just make us something so that way we can put it on, please. Yeah, we need we'll we some. need more. We need more. We always yeah. need more. I'll give you at content. least two and a half hours with nice. nonsensical bullshit for this. Nice. I yeah. dig it. All right. Yeah, great. All right. So anyway, Paul, you, you uh, both of us had never seen this movie before. It's brand new. I've been avoiding this one for a while because I knew it was going to be terrible. <laughs> but how, I woke how? up at like three o'clock this morning because I couldn't sleep to watch this thing. And <laughs> uh, man, the the exhaustion that I feel after <laughs> sitting through it's terrible, terrible movie. <laughs> Uh, how how would you stack it up against the worst of the worst that we've seen with Cats and Geely? Uh, 
left behind. I think X versus Sever was better. It actually made more <laughs> sense and had better action sequences. Even oh, though we haven't man. reviewed that on this podcast, yeah. I did watch that and uh, it wasn't as offensive as a couple of the movies we've seen, like right, like Gigli. morally and just <laughs> sensorily, like cats. But uh, it was the worst part about it is it's fucking boring as shit. Like, it's the worst problem. Yeah. Yeah. How did it justify a two and a half hour runtime? Yeah. That's what I'm so fucking confused by. Like, I don't know. We're we're getting to know the characters through uh, who we flashback. don't give a shit about <laughs> <laughs> through uh, exposition dialogue scenes on rooftops and right right uh, no dude I mean I I fucking hated this goddamn thing like I I haven't hated a movie quite this strongly probably since I saw Cats which was a while ago but (laughs) I fucking hated it man like every little moment in it I hated there was nothing in it even violence wise or tits wise or anything that I could actually latch on to and I was just pissed the whole fucking time and then like the mountains at the end I was like it's clearly not Canada what the fuck besides the fact dude Right off the bat, having a a logo that says Radical Studios, like, how radical does your movie have to be in order for you to claim this shit? I know it's, like, the production company because they did the fucking, you know, comic or whatever, but at the same time, if you're going to have a name like Radical Studios, I better see some radical shit happening on the screen. But anyway, yeah, Olivier (laughs) Megaton, man, like, this guy is a fucking disaster. Everything that I've ever seen from him, including (laughs) Order 3, is just, it's worse. Would you prefer to watch another one of his movies or a new Ubul movie? Oh, God. Uh, (laughs) I mean, I think I would rather see... I think, honestly, I would rather see an Olivia Megaton movie just in the basis of that it'll be, like, somewhat professionally shot, <laughs> maybe, but or lit. But, like, you know, ooh, bowl, I think that my brain, can, like, intellectually would want to watch it just to see how fucking awful it is because I know it's just going to be poorly made and poorly written and poorly lit and terribly overacted and makeup coming off of people and shit like that and it's <laughs> it's like a fucking uh what's his name ed wood movie like that's what uwe Boll is is he's the new ed wood because just everything he makes is so fucking terrible but anyway yeah dude you know in your pitch you mentioned the diesel that burns slower is that a real thing is that because it's got oil content i don't remember is a longer what's the word it's a longer hydrocarbon chain and then gasoline so it has a higher vapor point and in fact at atmospheric pressures it won't even like ignite you have to you have to get it going so the whole cigar in the mouth thing with diesel it wouldn't even work and i'm like sitting there point So he's like torturing this guy with a cigar in his mouth with diesel. But all he has to do, he like leaves him, right? All right. he has to do is like right. spit it out to the side. <laughs> well, even if, he, even if he drenched <laughs> the entire floor of the bathroom with gas or with diesel, and somehow in the miracle world that we've created here, that cigars <laughs> would light that on fire, there is a giant hole in the wall that we p- actually pulled the camera through that's within 10 feet of him that he could spit. 
said cigar through the fucking hole in order to get it away from him. But besides the fact, even when Edgar says that there is gas on the dude's lips, like gas doesn't burn with the ignition of a cigar. And like, so even if you're talking about something with a smaller hydrocarbon chain like gas, like you and I have figured this out firsthand. You can't light cigarette. <laughs> Like, you can't light yeah. gas on fire with a cigarette or anything <sighs> like that. How much we try just doesn't nope. work. Too nope. Bad. <laughs> but the whole goddamn apartment explodes. Like, there isn't enough gas for him or diesel for him to have had an explosion of that size. But, you know, whatever. Okay. So then, of course, they do the exact same thing later in the movie. But it's like a tiny little fire that he sits in the middle of for like five minutes before he gets rescued and he's fine. Right. Not burnt. Right. Not burnt. Goddamn this movie. But the trailer does explode <laughs> and lift up off the ground and flip over from the explosion. So there is that. But okay, so Edgar Edgar I'm gonna refer to Edgar Ramirez's character as Edgar because I don't remember his character's name, nor do I Rick. give a shit Rick, 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 Rick. right. So Edgar <laughs> Wanders through the streets as the news station does a lot of info dumping for people who would have would have to know what the American Peace Initiative signal is. And he walks by a very busty hot blonde who is topless on top of a car <laughs> as people beat each other in the streets. So if this society is running wild, as they suggest, this woman would be in the process of being raped, not like standing there and like dancing around as these guys beat the Christ out of each other. But that's a whole nother thing. You know, a way better like American like uh, collapse on the streets movie is uh, Hobo with the Shotgun. Like, yeah. The intro oh, dude, that movie Hobo is just so walks in and everyone's like, you know, there's a Santa like driving off with the children in the back of his car and, you know, he sees the dude get his head yep. ripped off. Yeah. Super great. And everything. That's the best, like, <laughs> that's a great movie, man. Oh my God. That movie <laughs> yeah. is so great. So, just go Fucking see that great. if you want to go see some oh good violence. Yes, please. Everybody there. should see that movie. It's fucking fantastic. <laughs> and side note, that just brought up another movie in my mind. Go see God Bless America if you haven't seen that with, uh, what's his name? Uh, Bobcat Gold. What the fuck is his name? Bo He's the comedian. Gold Bobcat. Cliff. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you fucking seen that, dude? No, I don't think so. Don't oh, think my so. God. God Bless America. He's like... He's sitting in his apartment in the opening scene and there's like this baby crying through the wall that he can hear through the thin ass walls and his wife just left him. His dick doesn't work because he's got ED. And so he decides that he can't deal with this baby screaming anymore because the parents aren't doing anything about it. So he walks over and he shoots both of the parents with a shotgun and he picks up the baby and throws it in the air like a fucking skeet thing and shoots it and it explodes <laughs> in the blood. Oh my God! You gotta yeah. see, you gotta see. God bless America, man. It's a fucking classic. <laughs> God damn, it's so good. You gotta see it. That's the opening scene of that movie, and it only gets better from there. It's just like it's no holds barred, complete fucking insanity, and it's sort of like a reimagining of uh, falling down with Michael Douglas. Yeah, but it's like so much more over the top, and it just makes fun of everything about American society. And it's by a Canadian filmmaker and a Canadian looker. <laughs> it's just fucking great. But besides the point, 
Dude, this is my main problem with this movie as a whole, okay? Not beyond the shitty filmmaking or how badly it's put together, but the plot itself. If the signal is predicated upon a perp knowing an act is unlawful, what happens if these people are ignorant of the law? Do they update everyone on the law and they just know the law? Is this like a chip? I mean, it is a chip, but like, do they update them and they're all like experts in legal code now that they can't do anything unlawful no that's good that's good out if you just don't realize that it's against the law then you can just get away with it it's fine mm -hmm. instead of the whole brain damage i need brain damage to uh to i need to take my neurotoxin to right. uh, break through the signal oh my god we'll get to that in a second <laughs> but, but dude People run to the border of Canada and they are mowed down by police. For what exactly? Like trying to flee the country? This doesn't make a lot of sense. Why they would just start murdering folks at the border. But besides the fact, dude, and voiceover. They do this voiceover for the first 30 minutes of the movie in order to set up exposition and shit like that in order for you to understand what's going on by Anna Brewster and then they just drop it. They like don't they <laughs> don't do it for the rest of the movie, but there's voiceover just in case this movie needed another crutch to fill in the blanks of its bullshit story cuz yep. info dumping is some amazing. good lines in there too in that voiceover. Yeah. Right, fantastic. We'll, we'll get to those later. I wrote a couple of them down. But oh, I hate good. I hate this modern family-esque cinematography with the slow zooms in and out as the characters speak, and it's like handheld and shit. It's just like nauseating for two and a <laughs> half hours for you to look at that shit. But besides the fact... I didn't I notice it, and that's the thing that I tend to notice, so I don't think it was as bad as one of the Jason Bourne movies or whatever. <laughs> Other shaky Born cam. Two. Yeah, Bourne 2 has a problem for sure. Yeah, Even though I love yeah. Bourne 2. Don't shit on that movie too badly. Dude, I hate how the voiceover says that the government was quote-unquote playing Jesus with people's brains. Like, this statement is stupid for two religious reasons beyond the obvious sloppy simile presented. The first is that Jesus, if you view him as part of the Trinity, God gave people free will. By definition, he can't make people do anything. The second reason is that <laughs> if they, if you view this as a Trinity, Jesus isn't responsible for placing doubt in your heart when it comes to morality at all. That's the Holy Spirit's job. If you know anything about Christianity, you know anything about the trilogy, you know that Jesus has nothing to do with that shit and that it's the Holy Spirit, but beyond the fact, so fuck it. But anyway, more tough guys wearing leather jackets and screaming. I'm so tired <laughs> of this trope, especially since they always choose terrible, overacting actors to play these roles. All I can think of is like Zeb doing that little mimicry where he would like talk about bad actors and be like, acting! <laughs> like that's all I can think of when I see these guys. But dude, $7 million, the voiceover says, right? And they show a guy lugging around a carry-on-sized rolling bag. Hollywood, learn how much money can actually fit in a suitcase. This would be lucky to fit six hundred grand in there. But they open the suitcase and the money isn't even bound together. It's just like thrown <laughs> in there loosely. Yeah. So this would be even less Vacuum than six hundred grand. Yeah. <laughs> but beyond the fact, I don't understand how this is supposed to be seven million, especially when they open it that the case isn't completely packed full. It's like a little mound in the middle, and I'm like, 
That's not seven million dollars. Like, even if you yeah. don't know anything about money, you know it's not seven million dollars. <laughs> I don't know if stupid people in you know Kentucky would. I'm sorry, not Kentucky, yeah. <laughs> Florida. Stupid people in Florida would know any different, but <laughs> uh, but anyway, more info dumping as we see the letter from the prison informing Edgar that his brother killed himself in prison. It just so happens to be read as they are opening the briefcase. Really bad timing there on everybody's part, but. More cliche with the bartender looks out for bad guys and warns them while drinking with them because every fucking gangster movie needs this fucking thing. Everybody, every crime movie needs that cool bartender that's like, hey man, I see these scary looking people hanging out. I'm going to drink this whiskey with you, all right? And like, it's so fucking stupid. <laughs> but the, the guy who plays the suicide drug dealer is awful. The guy that sells him the fucking neurotoxin pills that we've been talking about. Oh. He's with with the line, I need something bad fast or yeah. bad and fast. And fast. Yeah. <laughs> so good, man. This movie should be nominated at the Oscars yeah. next year. Yeah. Best original screenplay. Boom. Best adapted. I'm sorry. But, dude, the main love interest walks in, Anna Brewster's character, into the great song Glory Box by Portishead and pulls an ice cube from this glass and sucks it very sensually. Like, where do these supposed women exist that aren't <laughs> prostitutes? That's what I want to know. Like, for real. But this girl just picks him up and fucks him in the bathroom, right? To I want to I want to be your dog by Swanky Tunes and Hard Rock Sofa, which you were talking about earlier, Paul. And he doesn't even pull her tits out. Like, what kind of sex do these people have in this world? I, I was confused Hard by that. And fast. Yeah, bad and fast. <laughs> but Michael Pitt overacting. Again, I'm sorry, man. I really want to like you and your performance in The Dreamers and Boardwalk Empire is great, but roles like this are the reason why I can't take you seriously in those roles, man. Jesus Christ. I'm going to have to somewhat disagree and say that he's probably the most interesting part of this movie. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's not saying much, but... Right. Uh, uh, he, like his weird weird scene where he has this screaming match with his father and sister in the office. What was I that? Was, I don't know. But it's like, okay, this maybe this got interesting all of a sudden, this movie, and then it just ends. And like, yeah, it's know. over, yeah. We'll get to mm. that in a second because that scene, <laughs> oh my God. But finally, dude, finally we get to the setup of this movie. 23 minutes in and they finally reveal Michael Pitt's character wants to hijack the signal and use it to steal Banks' money. So what was the point of the other 22 minutes preceding this situation? That was just that was info character dumping. development. No, you know now what it you is, know dude. All about Brick and his motivations <laughs> and the Do I? What is his motivation exactly? <laughs> no, but dude, it's it's he's really the, just he's like the reluctant leader, man. I mean, <laughs> it's just like world building. They're trying like desperately to build this world where it's just like just say it's some dystopian society where everything's violent and it's post-Trump. That's all I need to know. Like, <laughs> boom, I'm done. But, and, dude, but finally it's revealed that Michael Pitt is engaged to the girl who Edgar just fucked in the bathroom and that she has an awful name. Shelby Dupree is her name. Like, one of the worst screen names. I don't know if this is supposed to be, like, some sort of, like, clever name, like Alabama Worley from True Romance or something like that, but I'm like, Shelby Dupree? 
Like, this is the kind of name that you would find in, like, some trailer park in the middle of Nebraska. <laughs> Beyond the fact. I'm sorry, by the way, to Nebraska and Florida. Well, no, I'm not sorry to Florida. Fuck you, Florida. But besides the fact. So, but she waxes on poetic like she is trying to be a, in a clever movie saying, quote, sometimes you get to see the bullet with your name on it. And sometimes everything is just bullshit. Like, what the fuck is she talking about? What is she talking about, dude? I don't. I, I heard the line and I had to back it up in order to write it back verbatim. But like, when I backed it up, I was like, "What the fuck is she even making reference to?" Like, he's not even pointing the gun at her. He's pointing a gun at fucking Michael Pitt's character and like bitching him out for some reason. But like, what does she mean? The bullet with your name on it? What the fuck is that? <laughs> But after revealing that this guy was his brother's bunkmate in prison, which coincidence anyway, but and after Michael Pitt explains that the authorities used Edgar's brother as an experiment and killed him with the signal, Edgar still asks, quote, what happened to my brother? End quote. We already have this information. And now it's being reiterated oh, three shit. minutes later. So what we have think, even. What do you think's gonna happen later in the movie? Oh, reversal turnaround. Oh, oh shit. shit. Yeah. <laughs> but dude, Michael lays out the plan by showing that the mint where they make money and API Tower and the border of Canada are all within spitting distance of each other. While Shelby and Druss is, by the way, of course, because you gotta have that. All because simple <laughs> scripting is what Americans need to understand movies. <laughs> Dude, Michael Pitt reveals further that once the API is turned on, all the cops turn in their weapons so that the API can do everything, right? Because that makes sense. The only deterrent to crime would be something that runs on electricity. Whatever. <laughs> but... Dude, Shelby reveals that they have a black box technology that allows them to have a 30 to 35 minute window to avoid the API, which is just enough time for them to rob this mint and get over the border. I don't know what city at first that they're supposed to be in, but the longer that we sit there, I'm like, okay, <laughs> so this is Detroit, clearly, because like it's a 10 minute drive to <laughs> Canada from Detroit. Right, but I'm right. like, you know, they, they do have a shredding plant in Detroit where they shred old bills, right? But right, old right. bills, this is the main part of this movie I don't understand is that the fucking money is useless, especially when you go to Canada. All the serial numbers have been taken <laughs> out of circulation, but they still want to steal this shit, which I don't get why and why there's six, like there's fucking hundreds of guards guarding this fucking money <laughs> that's being shredded. I just don't get it, but also, yeah. If they have this technology, right, in order to block out the API, like, why would they only have a 30-minute window? Couldn't whoever had built it made it, like, a few hours? You know, that way they have a little bit more time. I'm just saying, why is it only 30 minutes? Also, he mentions that they'll have, like, no wiggle room in their schedule. Yeah. And there's no room for error. But as we watch the movie and the heist unfold, uh, everything goes to shit. <laughs> Yet somehow it's all good. Yeah, especially since the whole heist, their plan is, okay, this is where the money is. We break in. We steal it. We leave. We go to Canada. I'm like, that's your plan? Like, there's no... There's no details involved here. <laughs> we can't 
you can't reveal the plan of a heist movie before the heist takes place, Gabe. That's but the heist doesn't have any <laughs> moments, man. It's just them like running and gunning. If they're gonna run and gun like this, they should have like a dozen people. That way, there's people that can be cut down. But having the whole heist being perpetrated okay, by yeah. three people seems like a really well, stupid. We do have idea. the driver guy who comes in. Right, half Ross. Like, yeah, yeah. So you don't. You have no idea what's gonna happen to him, right? Right. He's going to live with his family. Right. He's a family man, right? He's going to live Wait, happily. Is he? Yeah. No, he mentions that he's. I don't remember too, that. He's got a family. He's got kids. Uh, so, I mean, it's impossible for him to die. Right? Yeah, well, he's Mexican, <laughs> so they're going to kill him anyway. <laughs> but, dude, <laughs> they cut to the police station as the Sarge info dumps more about how the government will pay 70 75% of their salaries. After the API is live and they will ha they will have to pay the same copay on their insurance. So like they're taking a 25% hit and paying the same for medical. Like this seems like a shit deal by the policeman's union. Well, welcome to America, Gabe. <laughs> <laughs> but a bloodied, a bloodied woman stands in the station and the cop on desk duty, played by Charlotte Copley, has to physically walk all the way back to the briefing room. Don't cops have fucking radios for a reason? Like emergencies, maybe? But... Charlotte walks all the way back in on the crackhead woman looking for something and he gets distracted as crackhead boyfriend holds him at gunpoint. He takes control of the gun and shoots the crackhead in the head and Sarge finds him covered in blood and says simply go home. No paperwork. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> <What> is this? <laughs> but Edgar Edgar mourns over an urn. Cliche number one. And a blues song plays as he drinks. Jesus, like obvious much? <laughs> but more info dumping from the news is they reveal that if you damage the brain enough, you can break free from API control. So this is a oh, setup for later. Shit. Yeah, yeah this is a setup for later. But every every line, despite it being like two and a half hours long, every little blip and line is a setup for something else. And just... Most of the setups come from the fucking news, though. Yeah, <laughs> they happen yeah. to have playing in the background. But they reveal a huge tower block right that they go and they meet like him and shelby and then later uh michael pitt shows up but they reveal a huge tower block with like that huge cylinder like opening in the middle that goes all the way to the sky which is yeah. the kind of thing that you would find in the uk or i don't know johannesburg south africa where this movie was fucking shot like they don't have these in the u.s at all let alone <laughs> in detroit for christ's sake edgar says quote this score of your boys has a real chance of working, end quote. How? Because the black box technology like doesn't seem very well thought out at this point. But Edgar Edgar info dumps more saying that the mint is printing new money, but working twice as hard to shred the old stuff. Like, this isn't okay. So this isn't true, alright? So like when they shred money, they don't do it in the same area that they print new money. Like there is no fucking printing mint in Detroit. It's only a shredding plan, okay? The only mints that are still left are in Philadelphia, Denver, and uh, two other places. I can't remember, but not Detroit. There never was a mint there, for Christ's sake. Am I the only one that knows that? Do you know that when you look at a fucking coin, like on the front face of the coin, there's a little letter on the front face of the coin that's either a D or a P or whatever, and it tells you where that was minted. D is for Denver, 
P is for Philadelphia. Do people know this? I don't. I don't know if this is something that people actually know. I, I don't know where all the U.S. mints are. I, I know that there's four, of them, and I know that I looked it up, and I know that we've been outside <laughs> the Denver one because we've been in front of that fucking mint. I don't know how many times, but yeah, dude. But the other thing is, is that they do shred old money, but they don't just shred it and then dump it into trucks and then drive it someplace <laughs> in order to burn it. They burn it in the same place that they shred it. They literally shred it into a fucking incinerator like there's no way to get between the shredder and the incinerator it's one fucking machine edgar says that he needs efp cone warheads right and that leads him to reveal that michael is part of the dumois crime family which they actually forget how to say that word dumois halfway through the movie they start mispronouncing it but besides the fact that they are the only ones other than the u.s army that have these warheads because of course they do. Why not? You know? But Edgar <laughs> puts him over the... Of these things, man. Yeah, I know. Like, what kind of mob... All right, so, like, mobs trade in weapons, sure, but what kind of mob trades in fucking military-grade warheads? Like, is this just something that I don't know about? I've never read about this? I guess, but... <laughs> Edgar puts him over the edge of the tower block to threaten him. Like, over what? To make him admit what he already knows, that he's part of the fucking Dumois crime, crime family? Like, what is the point of this scene? He puts him over the edge, and he's, like, screaming at him. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad is the Dumois crime boss. And he's like, but Michael Pitt already said that. Like, this scene doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, what is he threatening him for this fucking moment? He's not getting any new information out of him. He's just got to show him who's in charge. Yeah. Pull out the dick, slap it down on yeah. the table. Yeah. yeah. Well, slap him across the face with it more like. That's fine. <laughs> uh, but Charlto says he wants to go out on one last beat before the API retires him, right? And as he starts the late 90s Chevy Blazer, a Michael Chapman song plays. Because, again, obvious <laughs> as shit. Descop drives through a very disorderly town by himself for some reason, even though he's been riding a desk for God knows how long. You know, that's one of the big problems that I have, actually, is that he just, like, goes <laughs> out there and, like, the the, the fucking, even like, do? I don't know. What's the like, point? I mean, every, there's, like, crimes everywhere he looks. <laughs> is it, what's the point of being a police officer at that point? Like he just wants to go out and see the shit, maybe. I mean, yeah, he just goes out. He doesn't and even run down on anybody. Yeah, yeah no, he, he doesn't, doesn't do even run down on anybody or anything. He doesn't crack I mean, any skulls. Doesn't do shit. I know. It, I mean, if if that's what he really wanted, he'd be out there like cracking skulls and arresting people and doing some fucking you know Denzel Washington type shit on people. <laughs> but <laughs> but Shelby Shelby reveals that she's hacked MIT and the FBI, right? But the proof of her hack of MIT is her diploma with her name on it. You don't need to hack <laughs> a school to get a fake diploma from them. You just need Photoshop. I don't I don't get that line, but I'm already weary. Microsoft Paint will even work, man. I know. I know. Dude, it's fucking embarrassing. <laughs> I'm I'm already weary of this love triangle and all the glossy looks of sexual tension and jealousy throughout this fucking movie. It just pisses me off. You know, this movie sort of tries to be that movie Savages by Oliver Stone with uh with what's his name? Aaron Taylor Johnson and what's his name? Fucking mm. Kitsch. Taylor Kitsch. But like 
that movie is just as awful as this movie. <laughs> and like the fucking love triangle doesn't work any better than this movie. But besides the fact, Shelby bails because she doesn't like how her boyfriend is acting towards her in the club, right? And Edgar follows her. Like, is Michael Pitt really this stupid as to wondering where they both went? <laughs> like, this is really obvious shit. But Charlotte, Charlotte wants an implant only a day or so from the API being live. Like, why? This is something that they don't completely explain. Like, is the implant that he's putting in his head to block the API signal and the cops don't have to, like, have the API yeah, signal? Yeah, basically. So the cops can do whatever they want. They don't have to abide by the law. Okay, so if that is the is the fucking deal, it's like right? Totally fascism and stuff. Can't you, <laughs> can't you get my allegory with the current events in the United sure. States? Yeah, but Bill Gates, Bill Gates and his five G towers and the coronavirus vaccine. Yeah, yeah obviously. <laughs> but dude, so if if that is the case, right? And he wants to get this chip in order to block the API signal. Like, why wouldn't he have gotten it before? Like, if the idea of me breaking any law is going to cause severe physical pain and they brought this up, why would you not be immediately? You know, what? I, I, I think I want that chip like over here. You know, let me let me get that in my head. But why do you wait before 24 hours before it goes live? And you're like, you know what? Maybe now is the right time for me I to get this chip. I want to keep my job. Yeah. <laughs> I want to keep being a cop. But, dude, there's another awkward sex scene between Edgar and Shelby, even though they have no fucking chemistry at all, and their <laughs> motivations make zero sense other than attractive people fuck each other, and that's it. <laughs> but these people obviously have a connection cliche, right? Because Wait, no, that's no, no. How... She, she has a, a bucket list, remember? And one of her bucket lists. Right, she wants to fuck a loser. And... Fuck a loser, and then... But then she has other things on her list. But too. she's engaged to Michael Pitt. Like, how much more of a fucking loser in this movie can you get than Michael Pitt? Uh, but, but these she, people, she's had daddy problems in the past. Right, you see. right. Oh, dude, so that can't when that line comes up, when it comes to picking a man for man, herself yeah. or whatever, when that line comes up, I was like, oh my god, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> But, uh, but Shelby decides after fucking this guy a second time that she needs to info dump on him when they're on the roof to explain why she how or why she is how she is the line we were just talking about because this sort of honesty between strangers is somehow realistic like what the fuck like stepfather beat me cliche etc like if if okay so if the man if I'm sitting next to a woman that I've slept with a couple of times, but I don't really know her, and then she starts going into this whole backstory about her stepfather and this, that, and the third, I'm going to be like, whoa, maybe I made a mistake. In any- <laughs> <laughs> maybe just my- I should stop doing this uh, whole ice thing with this crazy yeah. woman who's in Seems like- the FBI. Does he know at that point that no, she's no, no, he, do- he doesn't know no, at this no, point no, because no, they no, have no. the pictures of him like on the rooftop with uh, her no, no, with no, a no, very no, close telephoto lens by the way which i was confused by future it's the future game yeah 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 but but they still use bullets in the future apparently they can never get away from the bullet cliche why the fuck (laughs) the bullets are so good in this movie we'll have to go over that in a minute yeah but Uh, yeah but anyway man wakes up next day alone after snuggling with the slam piece cliche right on top of an amazing rooftop of course which doesn't make any sense because later when they track him down at his like fucking place 
and they pour the gas all over. It's like this fucking trailer somewhere. I was like, wait, what was the rooftop? Yeah, what not, the fuck was that? Does he have two different houses that we just didn't, like, gather that information? I, I don't know. They had two and a half hours in order to explain this shit, and they couldn't explain it. But meet Ross scene, okay? Something about I need you on this one team assembly stupidity, right? Because according to Rick and Morty, every heist is 60% putting a crew together and 40% revealing that it's already happened. And I fucking hate that shit, man. Like, when Rick and Morty said that, I was just like, yes, yes, please. Like, but Shelby says she is printing money and info dumps more about how she had to hack the reserve to get clean serial numbers. Okay, fine. I'll accept that for one second. But then she says she has to hack HP to hack the printer to create the watermarks. <laughs> Except that's not how, how, how watermarks are made, number one. But then she says the only well, way you can turn the, tell the difference between this money and real money is by burning it. Which could be true. Honestly, that could be true. But because of the paper, of course, that would be why it was true. But it can't be true because the paper they print money on is only made by one company. And she would have had to have broken into the reserve in order to get that paper that she's printing on. But there is no other paper even close to cash paper money because of this reason. There is literally no paper that resembles money in any way, shape, or form because of the risk of fucking printing fake bills. And on top of that, if you scan, try this, any, anybody out there, I challenge you to do this. If you have Photoshop or you have some sort of Adobe product and you try to attach a scanner to that item, right, to that software, and you put a dollar bill in your scanner, I've done this, and you press scan, it literally comes up with a fucking warning saying that it is fucking realizing that you're scanning a bill and it cannot do that. And it keeps you from fucking doing it. I mean, I don't know if other programs right. have this. That's or why she says that she has to hack the printer and all of that to get it to print. Oh, wait. But wait a second. Let you uh, print money either. So. But wait a second, Paul, because on top of all that shit, it's not even to mention that money is filled with microprinting and that the new hundreds have mylar illumination bands on them, raised ink wells with bitch romantic ink in it. Not to mention that you can do you cannot do this at home with a fucking HP printer, even if you hack the printer. Like it's just not accurate enough in order for you to fucking do that. But besides the fact, Shelby <laughs> walks to the border and it is revealed that she is a fucking CI for the FBI, right? One cop is black, the other is white, and in a huge case of great writing, they play good cop, bad cop, and one is beating her up and the other sexually assaulting her, because why not? That's one of the worst fucking things in this movie is those two <laughs> cops, man. They're fucking terrible. They're pretty bad. But it's revealed that she has a sister, that she is informing the cops in order to help her because, again, cliche. But her sister lives on the Canadian side, right? Like, in the movie, it's very clear that she lives on the Canadian side. So if her sister is already in a safer country that literally has land of freedom on the fucking border signs at the end of the movie, like, why the fuck would she need to protect her sister? What, what possible thing does she have to trade to the police that would allow her to protect her sister in a country that is safer than America? That's what I want to know. What is the setup here? Canada's just a wonderful place, Gabe. Right, I they've get that. Got, oh, they've got these little, like, pastries. They're called Nanimo Bars, and it's, uh, yeah, that's pretty good stuff. You should check them out sometime. 
Really? That's the whole reason why this movie exists. Yeah. Really? Are you making yeah. that up? No, 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 I didn't see that. Like any of the times that have been oh. in Canada, I haven't seen those. Oh, yeah. It's a, I think it's a West Coast Canada thing if you've never been out. Uh, yeah, yeah. Check it out. No, no, haven't been out there. Well, I'm going to have to. What the fuck is an animal bar? It's like, oh, what the fuck is it? It's like custard layered with chocolate layered with peanut butter layered oh with something. I don't know. Wait, how Looks do you good. know about it? You're fucking I don't know. allergic to peanuts, bro. <laughs> I've seen them. I've seen them. Okay. Right. <laughs> just making it up. <laughs> but dude, they show that they have been survey or that I'm sorry, they show that they have been surveilling her with Edgar, right? With that extreme telephoto lens that I was speaking about. And it just so happens that Edgar is privy to this entire conversation outside with her sister at all because he has a sniper rifle aimed right at them from less than 300 yards away <laughs> sure he sees this guy this girl with these two guys in suits right and he sees the girl and he sees them hug and whatnot but he doesn't have like a fucking like audio surveillance kit he doesn't know who the fuck these people are <laughs> also the uh, hundreds of border crossing guards that just mow down civilians don't happen to notice him like perched on yeah, a rooftop pointing there. a gun at them. I know. I know. It's fine. It's not like it's not even that it's like the binoculars. He has a fucking gun pointed at them. But Edgar Edgar goes back to his place and he decides that he's gonna burn the HP printer. Don't know why exactly. I, I still don't fucking understand that point. Like he breaks it apart and he's burning it, and I'm like, why? So that Shelby can't make money like it, this isn't his way of like withdrawing from the fucking heist like if they don't have an hp uh, printer like the the key to this operation is not the hp printer that's what i'm saying <laughs> but the the charlotte copley goes home to a shithole apartment and watches a western to reinforce he's not like all the other cops he cares about his job cliche <sighs> <laughs> and then he like walks through the hallway and you hear those gunshots behind him like somebody <laughs> died in the apartment next to him and he just keeps walking i'm like, like what the mm, fuck no nah, i don't want to deal with that tonight yeah but he's willing to like drive into a city that's like overrun with criminals <laughs> and just wander around but but dude more obvious blues music as Michael Pitt does a very shitty Travis Bickle in front of the mirror. Like that was one of the worst parts of this movie is him standing there with his dual Desert Eagles and doing his best Travis Bickle impression. But Michael Pitt says that he needs Edgar for a heist, right? Why? Like I'm being serious here. Like why does he need him for this heist? What exactly does Edgar Ramirez's character bring to the heist in terms of his skills that he needs for this heist? Guns and stuff. I don't know. But Just Michael Pitt has guns. Mm, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> movie. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, the movie needs him to be in there. <laughs> <laughs> But dude, why why do bad guys in these movies all do their best to stand out? Okay? Like the chromed out Hummer, conspicuous much, you know what I mean? <laughs> but so earlier dickhead who overacts and yells, Where's my money to Edgar we're in that when they're in that fucking like whatever, that tunnel after that one guy gets shot at the beginning of the movie and he's mm -hmm. like screaming at him. The, you'll know who I'm talking about here in a second. Yeah, but yeah, he's yeah. he's revealed to be friends with Michael, right? Like this dickhead that was screaming earlier. As Michael drives down the driveway of 300 feet or so, right? Like this is when he's going to visit his dad. Bad acting dickhead gets into the car, points a gun at Edgar, etc. 
Then Michael drives forward literally 50 feet and parks the car and Dickhead gets out of the car. Like, why the fuck did he get in the car only to get out 50 feet later? (coughs) It's just such bad, like, fucking blocking that I'm just like, what the fuck is happening? Because he had some real gems of lines. I don't remember what they were, but... Yeah, uh, obviously, (laughs) real gems. (laughs) He just had to have that little conversation... You know, yeah, I don't even know what they talked about to be honest with you, but I just remember that I was just like, why, was why did he get in the car? Only- he was angry <laughs> that uh, Edgar was still alive, and all of that makes no sense because there's a hit out on him, and he just walks in to the mafioso boss's house with all right. these dudes standing around, like right. But he, wow, he but Dickhead takes the twin Desert Eagles <laughs> off of Michael Pitt's character and says, "Quote: We'll take care of these two bitches." And he kisses the guns, to which Michael replies. You watch too many movies, man. But wait, 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 Paul. I, I got a real question here. Like, I've seen a lot of movies, a lot of fucking movies, like way more than most people. But if this is supposed to be to reinforce something or make a joke, I have no fucking idea what movie he is referencing. I've never know. seen this shit in my life. I have no fucking idea what he's talking about. Yeah, kissing another man's gun to make him jealous. Yeah, I don't know I what guess. that is. I don't know. I, I haven't weird. seen that movie. Yeah. I haven't seen that movie either. We're going to have to find it. <laughs> <laughs> but for some reason, Michael goes to see his dad with Edgar, and his dad is yet again an awful actor with awful cliched lines. <laughs> his sister doesn't even have a fucking name. And they talk about even more bullshit, and his dad is revealed as owning the bank or something. We are now halfway through this movie, and nothing has happened. <laughs> like, nothing has happened in this movie. But why the fuck is Edgar here to take the war- or to get the warheads they need? Like, he doesn't need to be there. Like, he already set it up that Michael Pitt's character was gonna go get it from his dad, so why the fuck does he need to be there? But... Now they're all screaming at each other because Michael fucked his stepmother or something, but none of this has anything to do about anything with the related story. Just another scene to make this movie I think longer. That's for why I liked it the most of all the scenes, just because it had nothing to do with the story. <laughs> it's like a little movie within the movie, and you're like, ah, it's nice. Something, something different than this just thing. the same scene, like beat over the head a thousand yeah. times. Yeah. But, dude, Dad shoots his son as Michael throws an axe into his head. There's more screaming, and Michael presses a button that blows up his guns for some reason. (laughs) Also, Michael can use his dad's hand in order to open a weapons room to get guns. I didn't fucking get this, because, like, he did open the weapons room, and yes, he did get the mines and blah, 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 blah. But, like, did it need to come to this? Like, if this is 20 years of fucking, like, trauma... And fucking resentment coming to a head just so he can get his fucking warheads. That seems like a lot of planning for a guy that is clearly like snorting way too much cocaine and doesn't know anything about anything. Uh, Yeah. So this is the first instance of this movie where someone gets shot in the chest or the (laughs) gut. They put a band-aid over it and they're fine. Yeah. And they never <laughs> like wince or anything like that. Yeah. Well, no I mean, internal he, bleeding, no sepsis. around, but you know, he yeah, he gets shot in the gut by his father, and like a scene or two later, he like puts a band aid on it, and he's fine to go through the heist after that. Right. Right. <laughs> but there's really really bad editing here as Michael shoots his gun from behind cover and leaps into the room without any mind for continuity. Right. But. 
Edgar, Edgar, it, this is the whole thing, dude. Like, if you look at the scene, Michael is, like, firing the gun out of his fucking dad's, like, door, right? Like, he's in the vault with the warheads, and he leans out, and he's shooting through the fucking door of his dad's office. And then the next cut, he's, like, standing in the middle of his dad's office shooting. <laughs> and then they cut back, and he's behind the door again. And I'm like, well, which one is it? Like, is he in the middle of the office, or is he in the middle of the, behind the door, behind cover? But Edgar uses a bazooka to blow open a wall in his dad's yeah. office somehow, even though they're less than 20 feet away and not enough time in order to arm a fucking rocket, but whatever, you know, it doesn't matter. Somehow these guys are not deaf from this, and there aren't henchmen in the fucking hallway that he just blew a hole into, but... Yeah, he, no, he, this, uh, this movie does a great job of setting up these huge huge like action scenes in these like fortresses <laughs> and then they just walk out yeah after the <laughs> I know. It's All crazy. the henchmen are gone so they walk down the hallway they don't see anyone except the sister which they shoot to death right and they leave he oh wait no no, no. what there's two, there's two guards that are standing on either side of the door to exit the house and they walk out and get in his big ass shiny Hummer and they start <laughs> driving away and that's when the guards start shooting them. Right, 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 right. Yeah, that that I thought was pretty funny. But I don't understand why the henchmen are mad that, you know, Michael Pitt killed his dad. That's what I don't get. Maybe it's because it's their source of income or something. But after yeah, all this pride, that's your job. You're yeah. supposed to not let people kill that guy. But... <laughs> <laughs> kind of bad on your uh, year-end performance is your job. Yeah, yeah. Try to get another bodyguard job right. after that. Yeah. Uh, I kind of got my Don killed, and I didn't really <laughs> help with that. <laughs> but after all this, Edgar thinks that this guy is still a safe bet in order to fucking take a heist with. Like, after this fucking sloppy and over-fucking-dramatic thing, He's like, oh, yeah, this guy who's clearly fucking terrible at what he does got shot twice by his dad, fumbled his way through this fucking, like, exit plan in order to get out of the house. Yeah, that guy, that guy who's clearly addicted to drugs and everything else. I'm, I'm going to pull a heist <laughs> with that guy because I feel safe. Edgar confronts Shelby about the FBI informing and somehow the henchmen catch up and knock him the fuck out and beat Edgar up. But they don't try to beat Shelby up as she says that she is a call girl, right? But apparently they don't know anything about Michael or that they would know that this is his fiance. But again, whatever, stupid henchman, maybe that's the reason why. But then yeah. there's a dumbass torture scene with amateur acting and Shelby's <laughs> way of saving Edgar is revealing that she is Michael's girlfriend. None of this makes sense, okay? Like, why would the henchman give a shit about Shelby revealing this information? Like, what's in it for them if they don't kill Edgar in light of this new info? They kill Edgar. It doesn't affect the girl whatsoever. What's the girl going to do? Reveal to Michael that the henchman killed Edgar? That doesn't matter. Michael doesn't give a shit about Edgar. So even if they kill him and they kill her, like, Michael is clearly pissed off because he's like, oh, well, I have suspicions that she's been fucking my friend, blah, 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 blah. So even <laughs> if they killed both of them, there's no leverage from the henchmen here. There's no fucking... <laughs> it does not matter. But lo and behold, they reveal... <laughs> the reveal is the guy he didn't kill in the opening, somehow, the, the, the diesel guy, guy. Yep. survived <laughs> the gigantic explosion and is now going to burn Edgar in a twist of stupidity. Is this, is this supposed to be compelling or ironic? I'm not quite sure. But... <laughs> 
not only does he look like a fucking like horrible, horrible <laughs> David Cronenberg monster, but <laughs> he's a Cronenberg man. Yeah. The world got Cronenberged by uh, by fucking Edgar Ramirez. But Shelby is upset as Edgar presumably is burning to death by the very bad green screen work of flames as he is miraculously saved, unburned <laughs> by his buddy Ross as yet another giant explosion from a five-gallon can of diesel yeah. detonates. Like, how yeah, did this, Ross... This great scene where the the burnt man, like, pours gasoline at his feet and then walks out to the end of the trailer and lights it, but it's a perfect... <laughs> ring around him with like a five foot radius where he can actually right. lean back in his chair and fall back and still right. not be, be okay, touched yeah. by the flames. Right. Yeah. Fuck this guy. Fuck but this dude, guy. how how did Ross know that this was happening? And how did he have such impeccable timing as in order to get in there just in enough time in order to save Ed fucking Edgar Ramirez's He's character. He's a getaway driver. He's a getaway but driver. Though. Is he just constantly he watching Gets Edgar Ramirez's game? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is he a getaway driver? What the fuck did he get away from? Uh, if you don't know what I referenced there, that was snatched, by the way. <laughs> but anyway, Henchman says that Shelby is worth a lot to him, right? Like... Why? Like, why is Shelby worth a lot to either one of these men at this point? Like, Edgar knows that she's an FBI informant, and Michael is pissed about this entire endeavor in the first place. So, like, why is she important? She's not important to anybody. Like, she may as well just be fucking roadkill on the side of the road, and nobody gives a shit well, I mean, whether she lives or dies. Edgar and what's-his-name both need her to do the magic hacking stuff and all that bullshit. Right, so right. I'll get to that important. in a second. <laughs> I'll get to that in a second. But Edgar drives up and gets into a car chase and shootout to save Shelby, right? But he is unloading. The, the dude, the, the <laughs> asshole dude, is unloading into their vehicle with an automatic AK. Not the safest way to save his slam piece number one but these guys shoot hundreds of shells literally side by side like the vehicles collide yeah. together and they're sitting side by side and he's shooting at edgar from less than four <laughs> feet away but he can't fucking hit anything that's number so, one what i think this movie has rules about if you're in a car or a truck, it's impervious to bullets <laughs> unless it's a well-placed shot from a handgun, then it can penetrate. The <laughs> I don't otherwise, the handgun like, rule. Well, the handgun is after he gets neurotoxined and he stands up after being gut shot with <laughs> shot 12 gun. gauge. <laughs> point blank and he shoots the two fbi agents while right, stumbling right forward from like from like 100 50 yards, yards away, away. <laughs> yeah yeah with the handgun yeah. so that's i think that's the rule because there's like thousands of rounds expended in this movie at their various <laughs> cars and getaway vehicles and nothing connects nothing damages the car right. nobody gets hit yeah yeah so i think they're just the rule for the movie is cars are safe haven right so. <laughs> If you just go by that, then the whole movie makes sense all of a sudden. Right. <laughs> but, dude, how how did all three cars flip at the end of that scene? <laughs> These two cars hit, like, head-on in the front, like, quarter panels, and they somehow spin off of each other and, like, flip over. <laughs> and then uh -huh. fucking 
Edgar or Ross is like backing up with Edgar Ramirez and he hits a curb and he like flips the fucking Jeep like completely 180 degrees off a fucking curb and like lands on the roof. I was really confused at this entire yeah. thing. The editing was so bad that I couldn't tell if the getaway driver survived the crash or not. <laughs> Which he, Then he shows up later in the movie to do all the manual labor throughout the whole heist while the other guys kind of stand around and right. look at him. Well, because he's Mexican, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, dude, henchman, henchman is seen injecting heroin into Shelby as a way of calming her. But then he begins to try to rape her because that's what we desperately need to see in this movie, apparently. <laughs> Just as Edgar arrives in order to strangle the henchman. Like, how did Ed Edgar know where Shelby where would be go? taken? <laughs> how did he catch up that quickly? That's what I'm confused by. But Edgar, Edgar. All good questions, Gabe. Let's add them to the fucking massive pile here. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't understand how somebody wrote a script like this, man. Like, <laughs> how the fuck did this happen? But Edgar, Edgar questions suddenly sober Shelby. She suddens, suddenly is like, fucking, <laughs> cat's fucking with you. But she's suddenly sober because he poured milk down her throat or something like that. But. He's Edgar's questioning her as to when the FBI was going to grab him and Michael. And Shelby said she just did it to protect her sister and that so she could know, quote, who was on top when the smoke cleared, end quote. So she's an opportunist. She admits that she's an opportunist and that she's waiting for either one of these guys in order to go down in order for her to, like, get out with the other one. But he kisses her anyway as if she still somehow – as if he somehow loves this girl – Despite the fact that he knows that she betrayed him with the FBI <laughs> and just said that you don't matter, it's one of two dicks, and whoever comes out on top, I'm going to ride that dick instead. How the fuck? Like, this is such a romantic movie, by the way. That moment, I was like, oh my God, what a romantic thing to say. But they decide that after all this bullshit they didn't need to, that didn't need to happen, that they are going to go through with the heist, right? But despite the fact that they revealed that the heist will occur at midnight, there is still sun outside, despite the countdown <laughs> clock saying that it's an hour until the API is live. Like, where the fuck do these people live that 11 p.m. there's still sun setting outside? Daylight savings time or <laughs> In Detroit, Michigan, yeah. Maybe it's... But uh, Greenwich Mean Time. There you go. Yeah. Right, 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 obviously. But all right, so so two guys driving a garbage truck fall for an obvious honey trap of Shelby laying in the street, right? And Michael wears sunglasses at night because we keep using Matrix cliches twenty one years after the fact. <laughs> but Edgar rolls up his or rolls up in his car and is let into the garage under the bank, and Ross into the garage rolls right into the garage as well. No identification. Oh, man, man, man. You didn't go through how they got the garbage truck? Yeah, the honey what's trap. Name? I just, just said that. Oh, the honey trap. Yeah, yeah. Like, who, like, you see these scenes of utter chaos in this movie <laughs> where there's dead bodies, like, people just fighting in the street, and you're driving a f truck load of money, and you're going to stop for a dead woman in the street? No. You're just going to no, run that shit run over. Run that shit or, over. <laughs> if you're feeling charitable, you'll go around it. But you're not fucking stopping. Stopping, and both guys aren't getting out. Yeah. Yeah. 
But these two guys both drive in in separate vehicles, the garbage truck and Edgar's car, and these guys just go right into the underground of the bank and park underneath the bank under heavily armed guard with no identification because why the fuck would any of this <laughs> even be happening? But random dickhead Carl, whom she said she seduced earlier into telling him everything about the how the API works, somehow leads Shelby into the very control room that controls the API, even though the guard at the front ID'd her as being wanted. Uh, yeah. so that, that's a whole yeah, other thing. Criminal but, hacker. Yeah, no, it's yeah, pretty good. Yeah. And they set, I mean, it's like a five minute scene with her walking through the various layers of security, yeah. which we see in a few minutes <laughs> doesn't matter at all. Yeah. To <laughs> but anyway. Well, Edgar meets with his bank contact earlier in the movie to give him $5 million in fake cash that he printed for a check of 350 grand, right? What the fuck was that about anyway? What? What is this? This is like one of the main well, plot see, points that I don't understand. <laughs> they go about all this stuff where if your money is ill-gotten, when the signal happens, then you won't be able to use it. Physically, it will be impossible. And so they're trying to get people who have stolen money to return it for a little <laughs> bit less money. You know, at least They something. have the ability to broadcast a signal that blocks <laughs> everybody's crime in the United States, but they can't void out all the serial numbers of ill-gotten gains and just say, fuck it, everybody's going over to a new digital system of the API <laughs> afterward. All cash well, is now useless. I mean, if you think about about this how isn't much a gun buyback, the bro. United States has been illegally gained by whatever means. Then you realize that the whole money supply of the United States is at risk when they put this in there. Because suddenly everyone, every millionaire out there, every hedge fund manager can no longer <laughs> spend their money on yachts and shit. Right. So, right. I mean, the whole economy will collapse. <laughs> so they want all these people to turn in their ill-gotten money to keep some of that in the supply. That's the whole so, setup for that. That's the whole point. Going of into the building, that's the whole point. And the whole reason for the printing of the money to begin with. God damn, yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I did not get any of that, no, like, at all. <laughs> but, dude... His bank contact burns the cash to see that it burns the wrong color, and he yells out for his six men to stop Edgar as they open fire, right? So not only did he wait to test the cash out, which is still, which I still don't know why, even yeah. though you just explained I mean, it. I mean, <laughs> a criminal is giving you money that he stole. Like, who gives a fuck if it's counterfeit? <laughs> I, I mean, really. <laughs> I mean, it's still, it's still just as bad, but you he, he waits to burn the bill until after Edgar is in his car driving away, but he also could just cancel the fucking check that he just gave Edgar. <laughs> it's not like checks are as good as cash. Not to mention the six men still can't hit shit despite firing hundreds of rounds at Edgar point blank range. But somehow it just so happens that while Wait, Edgar is there a driving, car involved? He's like hiding behind a car, yeah, right? He's in the car. He's there in his car go. driving. That car he's protected. Yeah, as long as it's not a pistol. It's invincible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some, somehow it just so happens that while Edgar is driving away, he drives his car into a non-stoppable elevator that leads directly to the floor filled with the cash set to be destroyed. But despite them making such so much 
fucking destruction as possible in order to get to this point. But they arm their warheads and stick it on the impossibly large and black door, nowhere near a shredder or by an incinerator, by the way, as Shelby hacks into the API and is denied access with one minute left until it goes live. With 30 seconds left, Shelby finally goes to the fucking server room of the API to hack in with one simple key card. Why didn't she just try this prior? <laughs> like, why did she have to try to hack into the mainframes that were less than 100 feet down the hall? Like, I don't understand why she was doing this. She's, like, hacking from 100 feet away when she could just go over there and fucking do it from the main mainframe. Well, but she was just trying to use this dude's remote terminal to do it, but apparently she found out that the software on the mainframe doesn't allow terminal access <laughs> Jesus, the cat's going crazy man <laughs> going i mean it's late they're just going nuts yeah. but dude edgar and michael <laughs> blow open the door to the vault to reveal that somehow the door is facing the wrong way that the door to the vault faces inward rather than <laughs> outward just as shelby hacks away at the terminal to stop the rest of the dudes who are trying to counter hack to get the system back online but just then, somehow, Charlotte Copley is miracled into the bank vault, the <laughs> server room, to stop Shelby and question yeah. her. Through the, they, the hundreds of guards, just yeah. standing idle, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. He just walks but, by all of them yeah, into the most he's, secured he's the building on the fucking planet. <laughs> he's the one good cop in Detroit. But they, they dump the billion dollars out of the garbage truck into a trailer as the signal comes back up, only to reveal that somehow the signal is only affecting Ross and Edgar and not right, not Michael, right? But, oh, no, yeah. wait, wait. They need to info dump here for a second because Michael has a fucking monologue to Edgar <laughs> about his time inside so we can reveal the cops didn't mur murder oh, Edgar's man. brother in jail with the signal, that it was actually Michael who killed him in prison. Crisscross. He got the fuck beaten out of him so much in jail that the chip doesn't work in him somehow. Like, how the fuck convenient is that? Like, that's some severe brain damage to beat the living Christ out of somebody in order to get to that point. But if all of this is making your head spin, dear listeners, it's not because it's so well written or clever. It's because that this movie makes no fucking sense because it is just a stream of scenes that they try to backtrack on and paste over each other to seem complicated. But Michael shoots Edgar in the gut with a 12-gauge <laughs> shotgun, point-blank range, yet Edgar is somehow <laughs> still alive. I don't care how tough my hair Edgar is. This would kill anyone. <laughs> but, but Edgar directs Michael's attention to surprise. The FBI is there to shoot Michael and help Edgar out. I'm not exactly sure why, they shoot just Michael and not Edgar as well, but even though the FBI could have just let Michael kill him and then kill Edgar, or let Michael kill Edgar and then kill Michael, and then there would be, like, no witnesses and they could do whatever the fuck they wanted with the money, but besides <laughs> fact. But the FBI only wanted to keep Edgar alive only to monologue more about how they are going to fuck him over too, that they aren't going to keep their promise to his slam piece and that he is probably going to die of his wounds. But while they're monologuing, they show just how good they are at smoking cigarettes and looking cool <laughs> while committing crimes that the API should be stripping from them doing. Well, they've got Edgar, they've got the implants. They got the chip, the blocking yeah, chip. Yeah, that, I guess yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, All right, yeah, so yeah. I'll recant on that one. Whatever. <laughs> 
<laughs> Edgar, this is the really weird moment for me because Edgar takes his suicide pills he bought earlier only to reveal that there is a bag on the ground that happens to have his dead wife's urn in it. Is he just been running around with this urn <laughs> throughout this entire movie? Wait, his dead what? brother, wife? Wait, no, his who? wife. I think it's his wife, whoever's in the urn. I don't know who's in the fucking Yeah, urn. that's the brother. That's the dead brother. Are you sure? Michael killed in prison. Yeah. Are you sure? No. Wow, I, I did not get that at all. But. <laughs> I assumed that it was that because it was an urn and they keep talking about the brother being dead. And Remember remember that bad. episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where they're talking about Thunder Gun 3 and like <laughs> they do the focus test group that they're a part of? And like Charlie's sitting there and they're talking about like a clear plot point that was made. And he's like, wow, I did not get that at all. <laughs> That's exactly how I feel about this movie. But guess what? Guess what? Somehow this suicide pill allows Edgar to not only override the signal by damaging his brain enough, but to stand up and shoot. 27 times he shoots, by the way, Paul, with one gun oh, into the FBI's agent car and killing them both. 27 times from a pistol mag with the width of his palm. Not sure what fucking caliber he could have been possibly shooting in order to allow him to carry that many bullets in order to be that small of a mag. But oh well, maybe yeah. a two millimeter rimfire weapon. <laughs> After he takes the neurotoxin, which at the beginning of the movie is explained that it's the deadliest shit that this guy has. It's lethal, in fact. Oh. And he says it's fast too. So yeah. like, but this takes like twenty minutes, and he's still yeah. alive somehow. <laughs> so, yeah. So he's been shot in the chest, point blank. His left ear's been blown off, and he's taken this <laughs> horrific neurotoxin. But he's able to stand right. and do some Olympic caliber shooting, like with the magical pistol. And he breaks the rule of the, the movie where the guys are in the car, but they're not protected somehow. So I think it's the pistol thing. Right. Like you were saying, it's got to be the pistol thing. But Cause, dude. Because what? Like throughout the movie, like when the, the dudes drive out of the mint with their their truck full of money, there's like a guy with an M240 machine gun that's like unloading right. on the truck. Right. But it's fine. <laughs> I'll get, I'll get to that in a second. But, dude, Charlto Copley and Shelby fight for several minutes. But how is the desk clerk taking so long to fight her? But she is, like, 5'4 and 110 pounds soaking wet. <laughs> this is, like, the Angelina Jolie in that movie Salt kind of thing where she picks up fucking, uh, what's his name? God damn it. The guy that plays Ray Donovan. Why am I blanking on his name? Fuck. Leia Schreiber. Like, An Angelina Jolie picks up Lave Schreiber, who is three inches taller than her and weighs about 80 pounds more than her, <laughs> picks him up and, like, throws him on a fucking table, and, like, we're just supposed to accept that that's okay. Like, I don't get these fucking scenes. But besides the fact, she somehow flips him off her just in the right angle to speak or to spear him on a piece of glass, thereby committing the murder she needed to without having the signal keep her from doing so. Because Providence apparently allows you to murder people. <laughs> but, she accidentally killed him. She wasn't expecting it to happen. So as long... Here, here's a better question, Paul. But wouldn't the signal be blocking her from fighting the cop altogether? Mm, 
that's good. Oh, yeah, that's a good point because, yeah, resisting arrest and everything, that's right, illegal. Right, so, I mean, everybody yeah. knows that, resisting arrest. I mean, yeah. even if you don't know the law, you know, resisting or beating. Yeah. Better yet, even if you don't know resisting arrest, <laughs> punching a cop is probably against the law. <laughs> but, dude, she's, <laughs> she sneaks back into the server room and sets off some explosives somehow, which I don't know where these explosives came from, that destroy the entire server room. <laughs> Seems like a bad idea for the server that runs this super important system would only be contained in one location. The entire API goes down yeah. because of this. Also, it's been like 30 minutes since this thing went offline. And you see this control room full of engineers and people like freaking out that it's happening. But no one bothers to check the server room or like go <laughs> find the fucking guy who's in charge <laughs> in his office either in the fucking 30 minute window. Anyway, it's fine. <laughs> doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at yeah. this point. It, re it really doesn't matter. But also, somehow Edgar is driving a fucking commercial stick shift, even though he has a shotgun blast to his gut. <laughs> and Shelby walks out of the AP API as the cops track her, only to have Edgar somehow continue to override the signal as does she, and slam it into the cars in front of the cops, very clearly not hitting a few of them, right? Very clearly doesn't hit a few of them. She gets yeah. into the truck, which has no damage in the front of it, by the way, all while the uninjured cops aren't rushing them, shooting them, or anything. They have this, like, long, glassy scene where they macking on each other in the truck and, like, his intestines are <laughs> spilling out, presumably. <laughs> but after... after, the after part where she... It's like this drawn-out scene where she walks through, like, five security checkpoints, and all the time there's guards pointing guns at her, following her, and telling her, Stop! Don't do right. that! Hey, right. you can't do that! Stop. What? Wait, why don't you listen to me? I'll shoot you. I'll really do it. I'll, I'll do really it. do it. All right, I'm going to count down. We're counting down now. From three. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then finally, uh, the guy runs him over. All of them, supposedly, with the truck. He doesn't run him over, though. Well, it's implied by the script that somehow they were all dead. And that right. no one else was in the building and saw this horrific accident and all right. their other friends get by a giant 18 wheeler uh, so not to do anything it's fine it's fine right but after all this <laughs> supposed planning after all this supposed planning edgar and shelby simply drive to the border with the truck and slam through dozens of k-rail barriers and a hail of hundreds of machine gun rounds including belt-fed weapons like paul said that don't pierce the windshield or the fucking doors of the truck all while kissing like natural born killers wannabes. They get to the Canadian side and the Canadians open fire and again they're unscathed and no one follows them. No yeah, one also follows a helicopter, them. helicopter like flying over them telling them yes. not to do that. Hey guys, even the, like even the helicopter. this is not a, this is not very nice. This is not what we do in Canada. You shouldn't do Wait, this. Wait, I just but. thought of that, Paul. That's why nobody <laughs> follows them. They're like that's not very uh. neighborly of us in order to chase after people. <laughs> But for so, the yeah, record, once they're through the border crossing, there's no pursuit. It's over. Right. But <laughs> for the record, people, semis are far from bulletproof. Do not try this at home. This movie wants you to believe that there's like tanks for some reason. They finally stop and Shelby wails and snots all over him saying that she loves him so fucking much. Still don't know how or why, by the way. And he replies, <laughs> I just crossed something off my list. Which is what? To fall in love, I think, maybe? And fucking dies at the most dramatic moment 
as Shelby continues to wail and cry. Yeah. She You know what's fucked up is they like start macking on each other, but this is after he's taken he's broken the neurotoxin pill in his mouth. Right. So he has all this neurotoxin all over his tongue and they're like macking on each other. So she I should know. be dead too. Anyway. Maybe maybe that's why her signal isn't working anymore. It damaged her brain enough. This is like some Shakespearean <laughs> shit, bro. This is like Hamlet all over. Or no, I'm sorry. Uh, fucking uh, Romeo and Juliet all over again. But she jumps out. She jumps out of the truck and honors him by carrying his dead brother or wife or butt fuck or whatever the fuck's ashes <laughs> and a bag of cash, leaving almost 100% of it behind, thereby nullifying this whole goddamn heist. Because doesn't. Doesn't he just take the bag of, like, the fake money that they printed anyway? Isn't that what she walks away from? But anyway, she wanders into the woods and a picturesque lake with a 69 jacket on. <laughs> and, and empties his, like, dead loved one's ashes into the lake, perfectly content with her sister and a new G-Wagon by Mercedes-Benz, by the way, as personal Jesus plays and they drive into the picturesque mountains despite her face being on every goddamn wanted poster in the States <laughs> and I'm sure Canada and her not having even 1% of the money that she stole with her and her crew. Basically, yeah. and people... No, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I, I want to wait And on this, this whole point. scene is like five ten minutes long by the way like way too long they have to play the entirety of this song before they break into the credits so there's like five minutes of her just driving in the woods (laughs) yeah (laughs) anyway but dude basically these people did this whole heist in the sloppiest way possible to all die and she gets away as we roll credits and yeah that's it she's fine it's no, Canada. they fucking <laughs> the sloppiest heist ever, and they all die, and she yeah. gets away with one bag of cash. Not, I mean, yeah. e- even if like what Michael Pitt was saying earlier in the movie that he wanted to make like a name for himself with the biggest heist in you know, history, whatever, blah 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 blah. All, they drove across the border. The only people that know that this happened was the fucking government, and the government's just gonna. Be, we didn't lose any money. It's just we just shredded it. It's gone. Like so much for his fucking notoriety that he wanted so badly, which is apparently what the whole fucking point of this was was for him to like make a name for himself that way he can escape well, so Canada. they stole the new money like they didn't take the old money so it was actually real money and so the, the government, government doesn't need to that. admit anything about that <laughs> they don't give a fuck dude money money doesn't mean anything you just print new ones yeah, like true, true, it's true. literally useless by the way the global <laughs> banking conspiracy is completely true money is fake the economy is fake it's all bullshit they made it up so that way you have to work like a fucking asshole for your entire life at a job that you don't like and pay lots of money to republicans or whatever the fuck is going on in this <laughs> Besides the fact, God damn it, dude. I fucking like by the time that I got to the end of this movie, I was just like, that's the end. You're shitting me. That's how <laughs> that's what I've been waiting for two hours to fucking see is the end of this movie with them just fucking barreling through gunfire and smashing through K-Rail. By the way, if you don't know how great K-Rail is at keeping vehicles from fucking going past (laughs) it, just go to YouTube and type in K-Rail crash test videos. You'll see that it rips off the bottom of dump trucks like really fucking easily. No problems. Fuck this movie. That's all I gotta say. (laughs) 
I, like I knew that it was bad given its tomato rating and that it was so derided by critics and audiences, but I didn't know that it was this bad. You know, like it's it's fucking incredible how bad this movie gets by the end of it. <laughs> but anyway, so Paul, what have you seen recently or what do you want to watch? <laughs> I got to wash the taste of this movie out of my mouth and watch another bad movie, but not hopefully not as bad as this. Well, I saw just today on Amazon that they put out Penitentiary 1 and 2, <laughs> but not 3, which is the one with the midget, which I really want to watch. <laughs> not midget, little person. Yeah, little person and the like very overt homosexual references and all this stuff that's in there. It's pretty right. good. But yeah, I couldn't. There's still no way to get Penitentiary Three. So <laughs> any one of our Maybe. listeners can find that for us. Yes, please. <laughs> if you have a copy of it, send it to me. Oh, side note: speaking of movies that aren't in print anymore, uh, do you remember a movie with uh, Sinbad, the comedian, called Shazam? <laughs> yeah. All right. So I I spent I'm not joking, Paul. I spent three hours this week reading all these different threads online that apparently that is a case of the Mandela effect that that movie never existed and that we're all collectively remembering something that <laughs> never happened. And I went down this very deep dive of a rabbit hole trying to track this down and. Apparently, it never existed. It was something that we all made up in our heads, and it freaked me the fuck out. It, like, really <laughs> genuinely, like, bothered me that I fell for something that I clearly remember in my childhood. I remember scenes out of this fucking movie. Yeah, yeah, it's I real. Mean, no, no, it's real. Yeah, I mean, the, Jack the just bought is... everything about it to make it go away, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> There's a global there's conspiracy. Be... Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing is that that should have tipped me off is that the fact that nobody has it should have tipped me off that it doesn't even exist in terms of like diegetic like clips from whatever the fuck somebody posting shit on YouTube or whatever about how bad it is. It doesn't even exist there. It's not on the torrents. It's not anywhere. Like it should have tipped me off that this movie was not real, but it just, it really bothered me. But to that end, if anybody has that movie <laughs> and can prove that this was real, we need to know. I need to know. I need to know because I knew that movie was terrible when I saw it. And I saw it. I saw it. God damn it. I saw that fucking movie. I saw it. It played on the Disney channel. They never put it out on VHS. I swear to God that it was real. I fucking saw it. Fuck you, Sinbad and everybody else involved with that. You're just fucking with me at this point. But anyway, so Paul, do you wanna do you wanna look forward to penitentiary or do you wanna do Leprechaun in the Hood or <laughs> <laughs> So I haven't seen Penitentiary uh one. But you saw three. I don't know, I don't know if it's worth watching or not. But uh Yeah, yeah what else we got here? <laughs> Leprechaun in the hood could be good. <laughs> But is there something that's sticking out to you uh, that you really want to tackle? I know that I sort of pushed this movie forward really quickly because I was like, I got to see what a 0% movie <laughs> looks like. It, is, uh, it was pretty punishing, Gabe, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't realize it was going to be that bad. You know, the other 
Like last week, I watched Cutthroat Island. <laughs> How was that? Which is a bad movie, but I don't think it was that bad. Uh, no? I mean, it was like an over-the-top... I mean, it was the kind of prototype for all of the Johnny Depp, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Yeah, absolutely it was. So why did it flop so hard? I mean, that that's a good <laughs> question to ask. I don't know. But then it, I don't know. Gina Davis. We should we should do that one at some point, but we've been focusing on like the mid nineties too much, I think. <laughs> so <laughs> Well, this is a new one, so we did do a new movie from this year. Yeah, I think yeah, this good. is our this is our third movie from this year, I think. We did Tax Collector, we did um Birds of Prey, and we did this. I think we've we're three for three this year. We haven't gone down any other That's horrible good. rabbit holes of bad movies, but <laughs> of this year. Dude, I wanna watch another fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. I've I've been really, really <laughs> wanting to watch Eraser or End of Days. I don't oh, I don't man. think I don't think I want to bite off like the sixth day or something like that because I don't think that I have the stomach for that right now. But <laughs> I mean, what do you think? What do you think? I, you know, I barely remember those movies enough to say whether or not it's good fodder for this kind of thing. I think I think I'm still going to try to call Trip this week and see if he can do Van Helsing because I'd, I'd really yeah. like to have him back and like have him defend that because when I called him about it the other week, he was like, don't fuck with that movie, man. That's my man, Hugh Jackman. I'm like, God damn you. <laughs> he's like, he's like, if, if Hugh Jackman wanted to do things to me, I'd let him do things to me. And I'm like, that's, I'm like, you're, you're, you're assuming a lot that he would even have you in the first place, motherfucker. <laughs> Besides the fact. So I think I think I want to try to push him to do Van Helsing. I'd really like yeah. to have him on here. But otherwise, what do you think? Uh, what are you thinking? Uh, I don't know. Leprechaun in the Hood or uh, <laughs> or if we can find uh, Penitentiary 3. Can you think of any like good, bad kung fu movies or something like that we haven't done with those you pick uh, a bad jack well i mean we we did the yeah we did the jack chan movie i watched that one so, you watched uh, that one we didn't do that one german china yeah yeah there's another it's i mean it's an arnold and jack chan movie where <laughs> i think like 2000 hit and as soon as he like started doing american movies then it was all over yeah i mean rush <laughs> hour three is terrible but yeah you know what I didn't – I was just watching this the other day. I was re-watching Rick and Morty, and I didn't realize that the episode where – it's called Raising Gazorpazorp, where uh, fucking Morty is banging the sex robot, and he has the, the kid, the alien kid. In yeah. that movie – or in that episode, they make a reference to Zardoz, and, like, the head of Zardoz flies up and, like, sprays out all the fucking, like – sex dolls on the planet right 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 yeah i was like oh shit yeah that episode is what got me interested in zardoz to begin with what (laughs) i I didn't gather that until i was rewatching it i was like oh my god i didn't realize that when i was watching this that it was a zardoz reference yeah (laughs) all right well think about it let me know what you think about uh jackie bad jackie chan movies i'm gonna have to look over his list in order to see if there's anything that i'm really interested in. maybe we should do a disney straight to vhs animated sequel or something like that like lion king 2 (laughs) well we've done lion king we don't need to do that but yeah something like little mermaid 2 or (laughs) aladdin 2 (laughs) 2. 
That's a bad one. All right. Well, let me know. We're, we're going to say either a Disney movie, a straight-to-DVD or VHS Disney movie, Trip with fucking Van Helsing, or a bad Jackie Chan slash Kung Fu flick. All right, all right. I mean, there's a lot of bad Kung Fu movies with <laughs> Sammo Hung, dude. Uh, Sammo Hung yeah, made a lot of bad man. ones. Yeah, no. I love Sammo Hung, dude. I watched. Yeah, I used badass. to watch Martial Law every fucking week when that show was still on. Yeah. Did you ever see that? No, I don't think so. I've never seen uh, that. It's terrible. It's so terrible, <laughs> but it's so it's so good. It's one of those. He's really, a, he was really like in the Five Venoms and stuff like that, right? He's like yeah. Those- like yeah, yeah, yeah. Shaw Shaw scope. Yeah, he's in, all those. he's yeah. in the original. He's in the original Drunken Master with Jackie Chan too. Like not Legend oh, of sure. Drunken Master, but Drunken Master. He's in that as well with Jackie Chan, which is pretty dope. He's like his main adversary. They yeah. he like faces off against in that movie. But Sam Hung is dope, dude. Like a fat guy like doing that kind of shit. I was just like <laughs> blowing my mind when I was a kid. I was like, oh my god. Alright, so anyway, we'll we'll talk about that more as uh, the next couple days go on. But anyway, uh dear listeners, once again, that was the last days of American crime, which I wish that this was the last days of Olivia Megaton's career because Jesus Christ almighty, there is no reason why this guy should be directing movies ever again in his life, especially after this. But once again, listeners Thank you for joining us. Once again, this is the Movie Dicks Podcast. I'm Gabriel Chavez. And I'm Paul Schindel. Thanks for joining us, guys. Good night. Good night.